We go international this week on the Indie Ball Report podcast. We bring on a guest that's going to talk everything about the Frontier League and also some expansion talk in the American Association. You won't want to miss episode number 115 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. We are back again, episode number 115 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, we have a cool guest. This show is probably going to be over two hours again for like, what, the third week in a row? Second week in a row? That's just what we are. And and let me just say, we have the Atlantic League preview show next week. You're going to get some, you're going to get it. That one's going to be long too. So Yeah. And the best part is, we don't even have a guest booked for that. That's just going to be natural, two hours long. Yeah. I mean, like, we could, but I don't really think it's necessary, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I, we I we already have the, the top guy for Atlantic League talk. Anybody else would just be second. So why, why bother? <laughs> why bother watering down the show like that? I mean, yeah, I, I'm very, very excited for that. But we can't. But we have so much Frontier League stuff to get into. I mean, I, I had a lot of fun. I'll let you introduce the guest because it was truly a very fun time. Yeah, it's absolutely fun here. And do you want to talk about the Frontier League first, or do you want to do the uh, American Association first? Hmm. Because the the preview is like two hours long, so I'm afraid. Yeah, let, 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 let's go the American Association first, then. Yeah, because I don't want people to be like totally like checked out by the time they get to that. Because this is actually pretty fun news in the American Association. So we'll yes. we'll get to this one piece of news. I know that they started their play on Tuesday, which is pretty cool. Uh, there were some good games there. Also, there was a really good game today while we were recording this interview. Yeah, no kidding. Like the, that Gary game, you see that? Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I'd- when we started, that was like four zero Milwaukee, and then that turned out to be really fun. So, yeah, like we'll, we'll talk more about the the actual play on the field probably, yeah, maybe next week, but certainly the week after that when everything's you know picking up. But we yeah. have a, a lot of other things to talk about. So this bit of news, it, it came out on Monday. Uh, that the American Association will be at 12 actual teams this year, so no need for a road team like the Houston Apollos. Um, they will have a brand new team in Lake County, uh, Milwaukee, or Lake Country, well, Milwaukee, my mistake. I could attempt to pronounce this name, and I will just for pure comedic effect, because there is no way in hell I'm going to pronounce O-C-O-N-O-M-O-W-O-C correctly. But I'm going to guess it's like, Okonomoko. Uh, I don't I'm going to go Okonomowoc. That Okonomowoc? That's probably right. That that's honestly probably no. right. that's probably the closest we're going to get to it. So I think Okonomowoc. Yeah, we're go- let's quit while we're ahead. Okay. Yeah. We're, from now on, it's like country. We're going with that because now watch. It's probably like pronounced some sort of weird way, like Lancaster is. It's actually like Lancaster. This is probably like Layoc County or some shit like that. Just, just because life can't be easy when we're pronouncing these places and their names. But regardless, uh, we, we will now talk about the actual expansion that goes into it. This team's going to start play in 2022. Their ballpark's going to get built in, uh, starting in June. So just next month, 2021, it will be, uh, begin to be built. There's a name the team contest running on the team website. Links to everything, of course, as always, are in the show notes. Uh, that runs till May 28th. The team name will be revealed on June 10th. So all of this is moving very, very quickly. And uh, Jared Kelnick's dad's attached to it. And I believe also um, 
former um, American Association manager, uh, Chris Bando, uh, his father, or at least someone related to him, is also, I believe, attached to it. Because what are the odds of two Bandos being uh, both heavily into baseball and not being related? So, yeah, we got all that going on. That's really the only piece of news here, but we should probably talk a bit about this. Uh, sure. it's, it's great. It's great to see this because now we can get rid of these road warrior teams. We can get rid of these kind of stopgap teams where let's be honest, they're not expected to do anything. They're probably not going to do much. Yeah. And Nick, I think you need to do more, more research about that. Perhaps. I mean, to be honest, I mean, you're just calling the Houston Apollo Apollos just some like thrown together, uh, some thrown together travel team. I think you need to actually do your research on them. Would I disrespect the Pecos League All Stars that have had? Let's see. How did they fare last night against the Sioux City Explorers? Because I know they lost. Because oh, they uh, they got killed, did they? Because I know they were killed the night before too. But uh, maybe maybe the numbers are lying to me, or maybe I disrespected <laughs> them. Maybe it's a slap in the face or something like that. But. Uh, you know what a show I, I really liked? I liked that ESPN show called The Numbers Never Lie. You know, yeah. that was a great show. They did their research, but yeah, who knows? They but, did their research. Yeah. Unlike the Indie Bar Report. Of, co- of course not. I mean, you'll see that in the preview. We don't do research. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this, it's, all jokes aside, uh, this is actually pretty cool. It will get them up yeah. there. It is going to force a realignment. I'm not sure they'll go east-west or if they're going to go north-south. If they go north-south, obviously this new team being in a Milwaukee suburb, great regional rival, too, for uh, the Milkmen, too. That's always a huge yes. plus there. But I'm not sure who would wind up being uh, being moved into that south division here. Like, I'm looking at the—I'm pulling up the team list right now to look at because— uh, I would think it's east-west. you got to go east-west. It's yeah, so much easier. That's one thing, because Winnipeg's going to stay there. Milwaukee's going to stay there. You're not going to break up the three in the Chicago belt, so that means Fargo-Moorhead, but they'd make absolutely no sense in moving. So, like, I get—yeah, it has to be east-west. You're right there. That, that, I think that makes it makes all the sense. But, I mean, regardless, th- I mean, this— this sounds like a great uh, a great move, uh, especially they needed a 12 team. We were wondering where this team was going to come from, and now we know. Uh, great regional rival for the Milwaukee Milkmen, who have done great so far in their first two seasons uh, in the American Association. So putting a team near there as well, I think that I think that's a uh, a great a great idea. The one thing I um because th- this is interesting just because the stadium is already going to be built before they, uh, before they found what they were actually going to do with it. Uh, so that, that, that I found kind of interesting, but I also found interesting. It's only 2,500 seats. It's not certainly not unheard of for indie ball teams to be bringing in more than 2,500 a night. So that part to me is a little odd. I guess I'm not too familiar. I, I mean, at least looking at the pictures of what the ballpark is supposed to look like, there's not really like a berm out in, out in the outfield where you can fit more people. I, I think they've got to have some way to fit more, uh, more than to potentially fit more than 2,500 people in the stadium if they need to, especially thinking like a Milwaukee, a Milwaukee late country playoff series. Like you got to have more, you got to be able to get more fans in than 2,500. So that's the only concern I have for it. But I mean, the facility looks nice. It looks, it's a, gr- a great location and I'm excited to see how they do. But the, the, the fact that this stadium's only 2,500 seats, it, it, it's interesting to me. It's not like, it's not something we usually see 
uh, in the American Association. Yeah, it definitely is. Obviously, the trend's been uh, towards kind of smaller stadiums. We saw that with Gastonia, sure. but 2,500 is really small. I mean, there's there's no yeah. way around that. I, I would have been more comfortable with like 4,000, which is mm-hmm. obviously a considerable uh, jump from where they're currently at. And like you said, there really isn't a, a place where you could add more people. I'm not sure how they're going to manage that. I think there, it almost seems like the plan was originally to go with a summer college team. Yeah. And then at the last second, the American Association made a, a either a pitch that was amazing or had an offer that was too good to refuse that they put forth to this group. And they just said, eh, hey, we'll, we'll go with that. And worst comes the worst. It doesn't work out in a pro ball. We can always just swap her out to a, a Northwoods League or something like that. So, yeah. uh, I am curious, like you said, like that, to how is that going to work? How is it all going to, you know, wind up playing out there? But either way, I I still do like it. And it is really the only concern, like you said, with the capacity here. And I'm looking at this map now as to how this east-west thing would work. And it looks like in the west, you'd have to go Winnipeg, Fargo-Moorhead, Sioux Falls, Lincoln, Kansas City, Cleburne, and then go with um, a Milwaukee, a Lake Country, Sioux City, King County, Chicago, Gary. But what's really odd about this is you have Sioux City uh, really close to Lincoln and Sioux Falls, and they kind of are far away from all these Chicago area teams. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how that will wind up working out. I, again, um, like you can't even go with like a, oh, why don't we go with three and four? You know, where you have uh, three divisions of four and then, you know, division winner goes through and then one wild card because then you can't put Milwaukee in the same as this new team. So I, I don't know how that's going to work out. The divisional alignment, honestly, is really interesting to me. Like, it'd almost be easier if they added a, like, a 14th and 15th team. Yeah. I mean, obviously much easier said than done. But, yeah. You know, I mean, again, the American Association has never stride, uh, shied away from travel. No. Uh, but I, I think I think that East West probably still makes the most sense. Mm. It, although it would be weird to split up Sioux Falls and Sioux City. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with adding another team like near Milwaukee, I think yeah, I think it's going to be uh, North South. It would just be too like North. It would just be too North centric to begin with to really justify a North South uh, division. Mm. There's really only one solution to this. They need an all-Texas division. An all-Texas division? Yeah, Fort Worth, uh, maybe Waco, and uh, where else could you toss a team in Texas? Uh, Screw it. Let's go College Station. Why not? Okay. I like it. Like, let's just have one Texas division. Then we can go with, like, our Chicago division. The middle part, which could be like Lincoln, Kansas City, Sioux Falls, and Sioux City. And then, of course, you have Fargo, Moorhead, and Winnipeg that are just kind of chilling out there. But we put a team in like Shakopee, Minnesota, if that ever gets off the ground. And then we put another team in Canada. I don't know. Maybe uh, Kootenai. We'll go with like Kootenai, Manitoba or something. I don't know. Sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, let's just go with that. So uh, that's about all we got for news. I don't think there's too much left to add on this. It's cool. We'll obviously keep following this, and uh, we probably won't talk about it again until June. But when June comes around, we'll uh, we'll talk about it again, certainly. So uh, that said, I think now we can go into that interview that we have uh, 
a really really fun one to do it was so it's great talking to this guy uh really knowledgeable and i'm not gonna lie i think we could both say he kind of carried the second half of this for us oh absolutely because uh, i'm not further enough along in my previews yet because you've probably noticed all the posts that have been going up on social media uh obviously if you are aware of that we're not quite done yet with that so he definitely helped us out here uh you guys will probably know his work on the frontier league journal and the thing that amazes me the most out of everything is how he said i really just started doing this two three months ago and you could that never so tell impressive. yeah you could never tell i know like the first i only want to think about the first two or three months of this show and how rocky that was uh getting that off the ground like he his work is really truly some good stuff here so uh, without further ado, here's our Frontier League preview uh, featuring uh, from the Frontier League Journal, Dave Rouleau. All right, we are back and we are going to bring you our Frontier League preview now. And we figured, being that we're kind of new to a lot of these Frontier League teams, we might as well bring in a guy that knows the Frontier League, as in the guy that runs the Frontier League Journal, because he is extremely well-versed in just about everything in the Frontier League. And when you're doing, a, I guess, a special report, in a sense, it's a preview, so if we want to doll it up, it's a special report, you bring in a specialist. So we now welcome to the show Dave Rouleau. I hope that's pronounced correctly, because we all know how I pronounce things is not exactly the best, but welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm I'm doing amazing. I'm on the biggest show on earth. How could I? How could it go wrong? <laughs> I know this. This is it. Gets better you, than this. I'm doing very well. It doesn't get better than this, and I'm sure we're going to be challenging uh, Joe Rogan and Howard Stern soon enough. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, obviously as you can tell we are all we're all having a good time we're all here to do the frontier league preview as i previously mentioned and uh yeah we're gonna break this whole thing down we're gonna give you a little bit of overview of the whole uh, season leading into this and then we'll go into the individual division breakdowns and the teams and you know how a preview works it's gonna go like that so uh, I guess with that, we might as well just kind of jump headlong in. Uh, a couple of things to note here. The Frontier League is going to be made of 14 teams this year. Obviously, the Canadian teams with the border situation being complicated like it is had to reorganize. No Ottawa this year. The two teams in Quebec reorganized into one team this year. So there is only six teams on what would be the Can-Am division side. But really, you could throw conferences out. There are four divisions this year, Atlantic, Northeast, Central, and West. Uh, the Atlantic will be made up and will be also the first uh, division we will preview uh, The of the New York Boulders, formerly the Rockland Boulders. Nothing else changes, just, you know, a newer name, I guess, for whatever reason. Uh, the Tri-City Valley Cats, who come in from MILB after, you know, the whole uh, culling of several dozen minor league teams, which, you know, we've covered that to... Uh, God knows the extent of that. Uh, Equipe Quebec. Again, I pray to God that my pronunciations are correct. And I expect. No, it's okay. Okay. See, so we're getting better. We're getting better. After like mm. nearly three years, I'm starting to get better with this. 
<laughs> Wait until I speak in English. Uh, trust me, it can't be worse than my French. So, uh, <laughs> then, then we have the Northeast Division, uh, made up of the New Jersey Jackals, Sussex County Miners, and the Washington Wild Things, the Central Division of the Joliet Slammers, the Lake Erie Crushers, Schomburg Boomers, and Windy City Thunderbolts, and then last but certainly not least, the wind, uh, the West, made up of the Gateway Grizzlies, Evansville Otters, Florencioles, and Southern Illinois Miners. No All-Star game on the slate so far due to COVID. And, uh, yeah, we do have a little bit of news on subscription models, which, of course, all the teams start coming out right after I talk to one person with a team that says, oh, we don't have any plans to do league-wide streaming this year. They come out with league-wide streaming right after. So I always love when my reports go out of date within you know, 48 hours. That's always wonderful. Uh, but if you do want to subscribe to, I guess, Frontier League TV, it's being hosted through Vimeo. I'll tuck a link in the show notes if you want to take a look at that. Uh, you can stream per game, which would be $5 per game, $20 per month, or 50 per year. And I do want to just mention this quickly before we start getting into the actual baseball talk. I gotta say, I think that's a little bit pricey. Uh, I, I'm not sure if everyone agrees with me there or not. Maybe I'm off base here, but I feel like 20 a month, especially when you have the American Association that's only about 14 a month, a little bit pricey, and 50 a year, I understand you get every game with it, but I still am like, ah, I think it's a little bit much, and I think for, obviously for the people on this show, paying 50 a month really is, and this is all in US dollar, I assume, uh, where I saw it as, so I can assume whatever the exchange rate is, it's roughly about the same uh, there, but I feel like for people on the show, 50 for the year, you could justify it, but for the average person, they're not paying 50 a month for that. I understand that you're going to start charging things with this whole new system that you have going on and, and whatnot there. And the Can-Am and the Frontier League each used a free streaming basis beforehand. But having seen how the American Association works with their platform and the technical issues that are prone to pop up over there, I do, I don't feel great about paying 50 a year if I can expect, roughly speaking, the same kind of production quality, uh, from the Frontier League end. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just curious everyone else's thoughts about that. Like I like I said, I think it's just a little steep. If they could have knocked like 10, 15 bucks off of it, as nickel and dimey as it seems, I would have felt a lot better about that price point. Yeah, I think $40 probably is like the magic number you're looking for. Uh in, in this sense, I mean, see, I don't know if I I don't know if I think it's outrageous. Uh and although I would say that the American Association their streaming service is definitely Definitely a better value in the sense that, um, they, of course, they broadcast all the games and they also have, they have little extras, uh, they have little extras that they, that they put on as well. I, I'm not sure if the Frontier League is doing something similar, uh, but, you know, if they're not, if they're not, you know, it's, it's $50 a year seems a little bit steep. Um, and I, I guess they, a part of the reason is, is that, you know, if, team, if people can't travel and they really want to watch their teams on the road, I mean, I guess they might chalk up 50 bucks. I guess it's not, it's not the biggest deal, but I do get the sense that you're pushing it a little bit. Uh, and, and I think ideally if I'm looking for a, a price point for, for a full season, I think probably $40 would be, would be the, the good, mar- it would be the right mark there. But I think, yeah, I, I do agree with you, Nick. I think, th- I think 50 is a little bit high. Yeah, 
I would tend, I would tend to agree with you because uh, it, it is not cheap, and the quality so far that I've seen in the exhibition games is it, it, it's okay. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but what the American Association is doing with the uh, the weekly show and the the daily reviews or recaps of the action of the night before, it's it's great. And I will repeat that I am available for a two year deal with a player option for the Frontier League to do a bilingual <laughs> show. And I would I would consider negotiating if they take also Will and Nick. I would be open to a one year deal and maybe resign next year. Hey, look, I got the phone numbers for a lot of guys up in the Frontier League. I can make some phone <laughs> calls and we'll see what happens. <laughs> And uh, we'll go. We'll go from there. And I, I've certainly, for the American Association, I pitched it out to Josh Schaub on Twitter. I said, "Look, if you ever need a guest to come on, we're available." I put it right underneath his reply to my tweet. So he definitely saw it. There's no hiding from that. So, and God knows if the Atlantic League does something like this, they have a glutton of talent to pick from. I mean, really, everybody under the sun's doing that now. We'll kick off a trend with that. <laughs> there, there, there are, there, there are, uh, you know, it, I guess with with all the with all the ways that the Atlantic League's been in the news, uh, there there have not there are now a lot of options uh, for that. But I guess you could call me the original. But, exactly. Um, but you know, I, I think it's that, that would that that would be fun to do. That that certainly would be. Yeah, it certainly would be there. And I guess on that note, we could kind of jump right into the preview discussion here. And like I said, we're going to start with the Atlantic Division. And I guess we'll talk about the team that's gotten, you know, the, the most press around them uh, to start, which would be the Tri-City Valley Cats, a team that I think we all kind of expected once we saw Pete Incogvillia be brought in uh, to manage the team coming in from Sugarland, one of the more successful managers in independent league baseball immediately our mind went to this is going to be the team to beat here and i'm not sure about everybody else here but when i put together the little bit of a preview i have uh for the valley cats i was kind of surprised like the team is not nearly as overpoweringly good as i expected here like john nunez is mm -hmm. a guy i like i think he has a lot of potential he had good numbers in double a um juan silvario and dennis phipps are obviously you know two guys that stick out there very successful in the atlantic league so i have to imagine again they're going to be very successful in the frontier league as well and then when you get to the pitching staff really as far as like pitchers go there starter wise turner larkin's a dude that i like i think he has you know some really solid potential to be really good in the frontier league level but in the bullpen, with the exception of uh, Andrew Belletti, or Belletti it, I really don't see terribly much. They do have the law firm of Trey, Cochran, and Gill. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, really, overall, I don't see terribly much here in this team. And I, I was really surprised when I saw that. I was expecting them to really come out and, you know, uh, light the world on fire. And I don't know if I see that out of this team. Well, Mick, I think that... Uh you know, I'm actually not too surprised by it. I agree with your assessment of the roster overall because you think, what does Pete and Cavillia know? Pete and Cavillia was an outstanding, outstanding manager with the Sugarland Skeeters uh, for years, won titles there, and of course, he knows veterans. He knows veterans there. He knows guys, the former major leaguers, that he can bring in. 
uh, to produce right away. Now, what what part now when he transitioned from the Atlantic League to the Frontier League, what what is still going to be a little bit new for him? And it's it's working within the roster rules that the Frontier League has that the Atlantic League doesn't. Trying to find value within those rookies, we talked so much uh, about that in our interview with Billy Pinkney. Uh, trying to find value in those ten rookies, and at least looking at the roster as a whole. Certainly, you have your guys like Silverio and Phipps, who are, who are going to absolutely rake. They are. Uh, however. Two, as we've seen with the, in the MLB with the Angels, you could have two guys who are MVP candidates like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, but it doesn't really matter if, if, if the rest of your team is going to struggle. And I think it, it really shows that it's kind of new for Pete and Cavillia to try to bring in these younger guys, and I worry about that uh, for this team. I certainly think there's there's some talent. I also I, I like Francis Martinez beyond the. Uh, outside of the, the core guys in Silverio and Phipps. I think Martinez is going to supply a lot of power. I like John Nunez. I've seen him I've seen him play in the Red Sox organization quite a few times as well as spring training. But you know, I, I don't I don't love the pitching. I think that uh, I think they I think especially the back half of the rotation could struggle. The lady is great, but at the end of the day I think I think the rest of the, the bullpen could struggle as well. So Pete and Cavillia, they brought him in. He's he's brought in big names. He's brought in some Atlantic League veterans. He, he's going to have some player of the year candidates on his team. Now, for the entirety of the roster, I don't know. I, I think I, I think the rookies are going to struggle. I think those guys, uh, I think the guys who are just above rookie classification, I don't know how great of a job he did building out the roster with those type of guys. So I really think this roster is top heavy. I, they're going to win some games. But I, I do, and and I do think that they're probably still the division favorite out out of the uh, the Atlantic Division with the Boulders, Tri City, and Quebec. But I I don't think that they're a title contender because I think only if you if you take some guys away, if some guys get purchased, I think the team could be uh, headed for some trouble because I don't love the depth on the team. So I think. Uh, it, it, I think Nick Lisa was a pretty good assessment. I worry, I worry about the overall depth of this team. Uh, I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't know if they'll be getting past the better teams in the Frontier League. Hmm. I highly disagree with you with um, with them being the playoff contender. I mean, I, as you mentioned, okay. I mean the, the the depth is not there at all. They just lost Ryan Williamson, a starter for them. They just lost, uh, well, in fact, traded Wilmer Torres with which. In Quebec, yeah, which really eye on. I mean, there's not depth. I mean, Miguel Teixeira, I mean, he was released from the Phillies. I think it was a rookie ball. I mean, why is that? Was it uh, off the field issues? Uh, it, it did not produce. So the, the, Miguel Teixeira and Avery Talk and Brendan Gosler, they have to produce just for them to, to be able to compete. Am I right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, like, I'm looking at Gosler right now. He did well at Murray State, and that was in 2018. So, I mean, right. it, it's been some time there. As far as Tejada goes, he didn't play well at all in rookie ball in 2019. I mean, he batted 156, yeah. so that's not very good there. And as far as Tuck goes, I want to like him a lot more than I do, but a slugging below 300 and an over 40% strikeout rate is not exactly inspiring confidence. And I was about to say, I, I don't, I don't want to rule them out of playoff contention. Mm -hmm. I don't want to because 
again, like a guy like Juan Savario and Dennis Phipps alone, I think can keep you afloat for long enough and keep you mm-hmm. both in the hunt, especially when you're only going against two other teams. That said, I'm not sure if I put him as my favorite. I'll, when we get to that team, I'll, I'll mention the who I have as my favorite and why I think they are there. But I, I, I do agree with Dave here where I just, I don't know. The depth does scare me a lot. And like, if they were at least deep in one area, I'd like them a lot more. I really would. If they either were like a deep pitching team or a deep batting team, then I'd be like, okay, well, you play your strengths and you can, you can ride that for a while. That said, they really use surface level on a lot of stuff here. So, uh, uh, on that note, I do think it is uh, time to move to the, the next team here because we do have uh, 13 other teams that we do need to cover here. <laughs> so uh, we got to be a little bit uh, of quick moving on a lot of these. We go to the New York Boulders now. TJ Stanton in as manager now. Kevin Baez going out. TJ Stanton, a guy that has had a lot of success as a manager so far, and he comes into uh, Pomona, New York. And I got to say, there's some players on this team I really do like. Like, I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of Tucker Nathans. I've been a fan of Tucker Nathans for quite some time. I really think he has a good mix of being able to get on base and some power. The strikeout number is a little concerning to me, about 27.5% of the time. It's a little high for my liking, but the guy hit 12 home runs in about 95 games in 2019, so... I can forgive that number a, a bit there. Zach Kirtley's another dude I think is sneaky good. A guy that has some has a good amount of pop actually. Slugged almost uh, 600, 568 to be exact, and seven home runs. So he has some pop mm-hmm. in his bat. And I think with a couple of short porches over in uh, Rockland there, that could really help him out too. I will say, outside of that, the whole lineup doesn't do too much for me. Zach Pimpres is a guy that is very good, but hasn't played since 2015 and likely will depart with Team Israel. Uh, so he got about, what, maybe a, a month, month and a half with him there, and then you lose your starting shortstop. So that's certainly concerning to me there. The rotation, well, there really isn't much of one. In my preview, I even really left a spot open because I don't see a fifth starter on this team. And I pegged Mason Alexander to be a starter, but I saw he got released earlier today. So really, I figure it's going to be like Austin Hutchinson, who looks okay. He had okay numbers at high A with the Mariners. Uh, Danny Wachanski is a guy that looked really good, but he pitched at pace. So I think that's what, Division Two. So, you know, touch and go there. John Kane's an interesting dude, because from what I recall or from what I know about the All-American Baseball Classic, pitching was not exactly the most consistent thing, and in 22 innings, he had an ERA sub-3. Now, granted, he only had one start there, so he's mostly a bullpen dude, but at this point, they're kind of thin there, so they're getting forced into it. I do think the bullpen's pretty good, though. I do like Nathan Alexander. I love James Mullery. I think James Mullery is really, really, really good. About 40 innings pitched mm-hmm. in 2019, 41 Ks. He walks a decent little bit of guys, but he doesn't really allow earned runs. Eight earned runs in 40 innings is pretty damn good. Sub to ERA, obviously. Tanner Kearse is a guy that strikes a lot of dudes out. 47 innings, 66 Ks. He's a guy that pitched well in the American Association. Not so much last year, more in 2019, but... Uh, 2020 is a hard year to gauge overall. So I like Tanner Kirst a lot there. I originally had Jake Dexter pegged for big things, but again, I saw he got released here. So I guess he didn't have a good camp to this point, although 
not much time in camp. So whatever it is there. But overall, I think there's some good pieces here. I don't really see New York contending for a playoff spot. I don't think they're going to be a division champion. I do think they'll be better than their 2019 record, though. So here, here's what I'll say about the Boulders. I, I wish TJ Stanton would have played a little bit more, in, at least at least as far as lineup construction, I wish he would have played a little bit more into the ballpark he's playing into. Hmm. I think Nathan's is a guy that, um, I think Nathan's, um, he is, he's, a, he's a player of the year candidate for me because I think him now moving to, uh, to Rockland and playing, and playing half his games uh, in that stadium again. That's uh, that's three hundred feet down the right field line uh, in a very about a three foot eye fence. So I think Tucker Nathan's is a guy who's going to be really really good. Outside of that, I wish TJ Stanton would have played a little bit more into into that power hitting uh, philosophy, given the ballpark he plays in. I I think Kevante Mitchell is an interesting is an interesting piece. He's a guy that's kind of stalled out. At high A and affiliated ball, he's hit some home runs. Uh, he strikes out a lot, but he's hit some home runs. Has struggled getting on base. Seeing if he could potentially make this jump um, in the Frontier League will be will be interesting. But I think you're looking at a lot of guys who Brian Ramirez. I he hits for some power. He, he strikes out a lot. I just I just would have liked to see the the New York Boulders lineup play a little bit more in, into the ballpark they play into. Uh, and so I think, which could change certainly with some midseason additions. Let's not act like the roster is not going to change throughout the year because it certainly will. Uh, but I think the lineup, at least as it's currently constructed, you, know, you mentioned some guys are going to uh, depart with Team Israel when they leave for the Olympics. We'll have to see uh, how TJ Stanton replaces those guys. But I would have liked to see him play a little bit more into the ballpark that uh, that, that they're playing in this year. Now, as far as the rotation, I have some concerns. Um, as good as good as Warchansky was at, at Pace University, pretty sure that's that's Division Two. I know that I know it's up in New York, uh, but it's either D two, D three, and as great as those numbers are, this is a significant, significant um, step up in competition for him. Uh, John Kane uh, had put up some good numbers in the All American Baseball Challenge. Again, that's another. Uh, step up in competition. I like Austin Hutchinson uh, just because not a ton of walks, strikes out more than uh, 136 strikeouts in 130 innings. Uh, he was a consistent starter in a high A. Uh, I think he could be a, a pretty good arm for them, but he's really the only good arm I see in this uh, in this starting rotation that you can really count on, and that's tough uh, going out there considering he's out there uh, only every fifth day, fifth day. As far as the bullpen, I think it's really strong. I think I agree with your assessment of, of James Moultrie. I would like to see, I think he's got to be a little bit more consistent in the strike zone, 23 walks in 39 and two thirds innings uh, with Rockland in 2019. Uh, you'd like to see him get those walks down. Uh, of course, he has, uh, with, with the year off last year, potentially could have fixed those, but he definitely misses a lot of bats, which is a good thing. I think Nathan Alexander is a guy I really like. And even a guy like Tanner Kais, he's been a guy who's been, Really good. It was really good in the American Association in 2019. A 2.28 ERA in 47 and a third innings. A 66 strikeouts is, is really strong. So I really like the bullpen. Uh, I think they're going to need to add some starting pitching though midseason if they're going to really make a run at the playoffs. Uh, but you know, I think the Boulders are a solid team. Uh, but I do think that some some changes are needed to the roster midseason. 
specifically in the starting rotation department, and I think in terms of depth in the lineup. Hmm. It, it's very interesting, Will. And I, I, I love you, Will, okay? Uh, I swear I'm not throwing you under the bus. But uh, in my interview, <laughs> oh, it, it, no, I swear, uh, in my interview with uh, with PJ Stent, that he mentioned, I built my roster according to the stadium. <laughs> so, really? especially, yeah, especially in the outfield. So he, he thinks he has, especially with Milton Smith, who's very, very fast. He, he thinks he's, he has three center fielders who can hit for power, and especially with uh, Zach Tenbray, Zach Kirtley, uh, they have Ray Hernandez too. Tucker Nathan, Phil Capra, who was with the Mets, switch hitter, uh, contact, OBP, power. So he mentioned that. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying that's what he said. So that was just funny when you when you mentioned that. And one guy you're not talking about, and I'm surprised, it's Brendan Dingle, the two-way guy who will uh, be playing all over the infield and also is a side armor and high leverage situation. I'm very very high on him 94 95 miles per hour uh, as you mentioned it, there is a lot of guys at the end of the bullpen who can go out and get the job done uh, when i talked to them the, the way it was built they wanted to have explosive stuff so i i um high velocity but also side armors who can get the uh, the ground balls so you had three guys now we have random bingo one was uh, let go today we have zach uh, zach schneider the side armor, high ground ball rate. So they kind of want to do what they did with the Rays with different arm uh, arm angles and just different looks for, for the team in the same game. And that's pretty much it. That is an interesting way of constructing a team. I'll be interested to see how that winds up playing out. And uh, on that note, we go to the last team in the Atlantic Division, which would be the... Uh, the kind of newly formed, I don't want to say thrown together team, although it is a, a bit thrown together in uh, Quebec. And I honestly have to say, this is a team that when I first started doing, you know, previews, I wasn't expecting much out of. I didn't think mm-hmm. that it was going to be that great because, you know, the circumstances they came together under wasn't really conducive to, you know, making a great roster. But the more I look into it, the more I actually really do like this team. Like, I really, really do. I think there's some really underrated bats. Cole Workin, I understand. Again, I think Erskine's either double or triple A, so the numbers are what they are. But I think he's going to be good. Uh, David Glaude, I want it. This is really where my pronunciations are going to get tested here. He did very well in, uh, in 2019 in the Can-Am League. Slash line 290, 381, 458, 13 home runs. That's certainly very good. Gifting Gope is another guy, which granted didn't do the best in his time in Lancaster or the Pirates org. Certainly was still a productive or could still be a productive player here. Connor Panis is another guy I really do like. Jalen Jackson, a guy that Will uh, obviously knows a little bit oh, yeah. when we did our, our build a team. He's a guy here that could really add some power and I think could really be productive. Um, Nick Ekamanis is a guy which I really like. Mitch Newborn's a dude which I think has sneaky good potential. A 175 ERA and five starts with Adelaide in the Australian League, which certainly is comparable to most independent league levels. So I really, I like, I like some pieces on this team. Bullpen wise, a little sketchy, I will admit. Wachowski is a guy which I think is interesting. Andrew Case, obviously one of the bigger name guys, AAA guy. Um, it will be a productive player here. 
all in all, I think this is a pretty solid and well put together team. I hope they get the opportunity to play some games at home so they're not traveling the full year. But even with that aside, I honestly like them the best out of all the teams in this division. Are you, Nick, are you saying that, you, that they're your favorite to, I, to come out of the division? They certainly are. At this point, wow. on paper, I picked them to come out of this division. That would be something. Like before, I even get to my team preview. Can you imagine uh, a traveling team? Like I mean, I'll use an Atlantic League example. A road warrior team makes the playoffs. I don't think we've ever seen that before, have we? I no, wow. no. But I mean, also too, it's a little bit different than the average traveling team. I mean, this is a combination no, no, of you know. So I mean, it's not exactly the same circumstance here, but there's certainly some good players on that team. Yeah, uh, and. and I agree with I agree with a lot of um, your assessment of the roster. Jalen Jackson is a guy uh, who I, I did talk about during my build the team um, it, during my build the team segment. I, I think he's a guy that you put him in the in the in the frontier league. I mean, he hit very well in the Can Am league. Is a guy who's shown big power uh, in Double A, specifically with the Trenton Thunder, and during his time in the Yankees organization. So Jalen Jackson is a guy I am really really high on Gifton Gope. Uh, he's shown power. Uh, he's shown power, he, I, especially in Lancaster. He was, uh, he was a little bit, he's a little bit disappointing. Um, people had high expectations for him uh, in his, in his little time there. And then he, and he ended up missing the end of the season. So, I mean, Lancaster as a whole was disappointing in 2019. So it wasn't just him, but I mean, I, I think overall the lineup is really strong. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of depth, in the lineup, I even I even like a put guy like potentially like Cole War, um, Cole Warkin out uh, uh, at first base, guy who hit really really well in college, doesn't didn't strike out a whole lot. Um, I think he's even a guy that could be solid at the bottom of that uh, at the bottom of that lineup. Um, when we look at the when you look at the rotation, I definitely wanted to touch on Mitch Newenborn, and he's a guy. It, it's funny, Nick. He's a guy that just missed the cut to get on my build the, in, oh, yeah? in the build the team series because Mitch Newenborn is a guy he came off Tommy John surgery to pitch in, in the uh, in the ABL in 2020 he's a guy who apparently had some teams looking at him uh and he was brilliant this year uh with with the Adelaide Giants a 175 ERA and only walked 6 in 25 and 2 thirds innings 29 strikeouts he's a guy that I think could be on could be on on some affiliated radars especially if he comes out uh with, with a good start uh with, with quebec in the bullpen i'm a very high on this bullpen uh i think andrew case is, is very good i think john witkowski uh is a guy who showed a lot of a lot of potential only four walks in 25 and two-thirds innings in rookie ball granted of course there's a a, a jump up in competition uh but i think the bullpen as a whole is really strong um you know the roster, roster wise, I think they're the best roster in, in in this division. That being said, we also have to factor in that. Let's say uh, I've I've been saying for for most uh, for for a couple months now. I don't a couple weeks now, I should say that I don't expect Quebec to go back uh, to play any home games this year. I really wish they could, uh, but I think it's really tough to ask them to play all to play all their games on the road. And as good as good as this roster could be, I, I don't know if I could say that they're going to finish with a better record than a team like uh, than a team like Tri City or even like than the New York Boulders, just because of that wear and tear of being on the road 
all the time. I don't know. It, it's something that we'll we'll have we'll have to see how it shakes out. But the roster is really strong and blows any other traveling team we've seen in any ball out of the water uh, uh, roster wise. It is a very strong, um, a very strong roster. But I, I learned something today. It's from their site on May 14th. So I'll just try and translate from French to uh, English uh-huh. as I read it. So to note, Jalen Jackson will come during the season. When it comes uh-huh. to Robin Castro, Jeffrey Perra, Mitch Nyonborn, uh, Connor Panis, and Jesse Hodges, they will depart before the beginning of the season uh, uh, to their uh, training camp for their national team. So that means uh, at the beginning of the season, they'll lose some of their better players. And during the season for the Olympics, they'll lose them again. So it, it's, it's going to be a very, very tough thing just to, just to make the playoff. They have yeah. the best team, I think. And by the way, Mitch Nunborn, uh, he was supposed to be a starter this year. So he was training to have the workload, uh, the workload of a, um, of a starter. So, so that's pretty much it. So I, I was very, very, uh, surprised when I read that this morning and I included this in my uh, news and transaction post. Hmm. Yeah, that, that is going to certainly hamper them when they have, if they lose them for the Olympics, which is what I assume that they're losing them for. I, I will say, even with that though, I'm not really sold on the other two teams in this division. Like, Mm -hmm. it, I'd like Tri City has the best two players in this division. There's no arguing that. New York, I just don't think put together a more complete roster and, while I do think there there is some potential there uh, for some guys to really jump up, I I don't have uh, that high of expectations for them. Uh, I still think Quebec, honestly, I I really do think that they have the best shot, even with these challenges. Uh, uh, it may be real stupid for me to say that, but that's just where I'm at. And even with that said, I think we're all going to wind up agreeing that when they wind up playing the winner of the Northeast Division. It doesn't particularly matter which one of these three is going up against them because the Northeast mm-hmm. Division is kind of a buzzsaw. Yep. So I, I guess with that, we'll jump into that Northeast Division now. I'm not sure if there's any team in particular we, we want to uh, start with. So I'm just going to go to whatever one pops up on my, my sheet first here, which winds up being Sussex County. And oh my God, it, this team is just like... <laughs> like like, Bobby Jones and Justin Fiorella are just not a fair combination. They just run whatever league they're in. Bobby Jones enters his fifth season as manager, uh, coming off, I believe, actually, a, uh, a franchise record best season of 61 and 33 in that final year in the Can-Am League. And oh my God, just the, the players they have are just not fair. Obviously, uh, you know, our base that's mostly New Jersey centric will know Adi Siriaco. They'll know Martin Figueroa, guys that were very good. Juan Kelly's a guy that comes in who just hits the ball a country mile and can you know, really produce. I mean, an OPS of close to a thousand, 951. You actually have Cito Culver, who in his time, the American Association and the American Baseball Classic, uh, last year had an OPS over a thousand. You have Trey Hare, who didn't do Terrific with Fargo Moorhead, but hit over 300 the last time he was in Sussex. Obviously, we can look to the rotation. Uh, everyone's going to have their own say on this, but I mean, your rotation looks like this. Former Major Leaguer Tyler Danish, then Mike Castellani, um, 
a guy with a sub three frontier league ERA in 2019. Then you have Tyler Alexander, a guy that's just a flamethrower. And I understand his ERA in 19 was a five, uh, seven, five, but he had PCL time. And I believe it was Las Vegas. So that's just not a place for pitchers to succeed at. Max Herman's a guy. Probably some Patriot fans will remember that. Uh, realistically, they're just so deep everywhere. There's bullpen mm-hmm. arms too, like a Jalen Miller who looks really good. And keep in mind too, Cody Mincy still technically on this team on the inactive list currently. So I'm not sure what his situation is. But, and obviously he, he gets activated. Someone like a Miller is going to have to go. So that way he can be factored in here. But, I mean, this team is just so deep that I I, I really, I want to just point out here, because I was going to go on a tangent before we started, and, and I need to just do this now, otherwise it's going to be boiling until we get through this division. I'm really annoyed that one of these teams is not in the Atlantic. Like, in my mind, Rockland, or New York, my mistake, should have swapped places with Washington. And that way you could have had the three teams that were all essentially New Jersey teams, New York, Rockland, they play 15 minutes from the border with New Jersey. It's a New Jersey team for all intents and purposes. You could have had all of them playing the same division. Travel-wise, it would have been a lot more convenient. They all play within an hour from each other's ballparks. It just seems like it would have made more sense. You already have one traveling team and a team that's in Troy, New York, which isn't particularly close to Rockland. So really does to make a difference if they're going from, you know, Pomona, New York to Tri-City or Tri-City to uh, Washington, PA. No, it doesn't. I, I just really wish one of these teams was on the other side because we're going to get robbed of a really, really, really fun playoff series because two of the teams in this division, as you're going to see when we go through the other two, aren't going to be able to make it. And honestly, there's a case to be made that this division has the three best teams in this league this year. And I'm willing to stand on that hill. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you. I think Sussex County is, I mean, they are just completely loaded. Uh, I mean, you mentioned their lineup is, is insane. Martin Figueroa, Audi Siriaco, Cito Culver, even a guy like Chuck Taylor saw some time in New Britain back in 2019. He's shown some power. He's got speed as well. Um, and Juan Kelly was a guy that they just essentially picked up for free in the dispersal draft because why the hell not? And, uh, <laughs> and, and and in the rotation, I mean, Danish is a guy who was brilliant last year in Sioux Falls. Putting him in as your ace is is probably uh, he's going to be in the pitcher of the year running. If Max Herman is a guy I really liked what I saw from him in Somerset. He's a more of a pitch to contact type of guy, but that's a triple A arm. Tyler Alexander certainly a triple A arm. I mean, this rotation is just so good and. In the bullpen, you have guys uh, like Alex Vargas and Billy Lane, both who pitched in the Somerset um, in the Somerset pop of the league. Billy Lane is a, has a has a, a fastball that can get up into the mid nineties, around ninety four, ninety five miles an hour out of the bullpen, and he shows even showed some flashes uh, in low A ball when he's when he uh, broke in with the Rangers organization. He was arguably the best reliever in that uh, in the Somerset professional baseball series. Uh, last summer, so he's a guy that I think could do, could do some really good things with Sussex County. I'm not going to go on and on about it, but this team is really, really, really good. They're my favorite to come out of come out of this division, as good as a team like uh, like New Jersey is, who I'm sure we'll get into uh, in a bit. But 
Sussex County is just absolutely loaded. And to me, they're the best team in the Frontier League on paper. Of course, games get played on the field. They don't get played on paper. But Sussex County on paper looks like the best team in this league, in my view. Absolutely. I mean, they go to the, the, to the dispersal draft. They're loaded. They, they get one Kelly. Maybe because of visa, visa issues, the teams just passed on him in the first, um, in the first round. And then you got, you got Sito Culver. Great with the gloves. I think he was a right ended hitter. And last year in pod play, Bobby Jones mentioned to him, just go up there and just, just, just go and hit from the other side of the plate. So this year is going to be a switch hitter and it seems to have clicked. So they're going to be even better with the same staff and you add one Kelly. That's an insane lineup. Yeah. That, uh, the dude just decides one day, Oh, I'm going to just start him from the left side. And he starts to bat terrific from there too. This, this really, <laughs> this, this is just not a fair lineup. Like, like, no, it's not. like honestly, this is a team that could probably go up against some affiliated teams and not do poorly mm-hmm. either. Like, uh, this, this is just so impressive, this team. But can I add something? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I mean, not, I mean, Bobby Jones has got to be the best manager. He was able to put this team together under the exec- existing, um, uh, player, player rules. So the roster rules. I mean, how do you do that? I mean, it, it's just on paper. This is a perfect team on paper again. I mean, yeah. I, I, I have only good things to say about what uh, Bobby Jones and the team did uh, for the upcoming season. Oh, absolutely. And Justin Fiorella deserves some credit there too. He's a guy that he comes in and he is also largely responsible for Bobby Jones being there as that manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, I almost want to see what that organization would do with like, an Atlantic League-sized budget and roster restrictions, which is to say mm-hmm. their only restriction is the salary cap. So don't go over, I forget what the exact number is, but it's much higher than the Frontier League's is. I I really kind of want to see what they'd be able to do with that because if they're playing with, like, essentially one hand tied behind their back and they put this together, imagine if you just cut that hand free and said, go wild. <laughs> like, uh, it's amazing. But Mm-hmm. Moving on to their in-state rival, the New Jersey Jackals, they come in off of a winning the final Can-Am League Championship in 2019. Brooks Carey returns for his third season at the helm, and again, this is not a team to sleep on. A guy like Jason Agresti is a solid player. Uh, Santiago Torino, I believe, is actually the all-time hit king in the uh, Frontier League, so I'll like to add to that. A former major leaguer in Alfredo Marte, who did absolutely amazing in that final year of the Can-Am League. Demetrius Moore is a guy where I'm really, really high on. I personally, he thought was just a, re- a really fun guy to be around. But in addition to that, he's also a productive player. I think he could be really solid there. Rotation-wise, again, pretty solid. Chris Tessator is a guy where I'm going to highlight. I'm sure everyone else is going to pick a guy that they want to look at too. But Chris Tessator was a guy who looked pretty solid, not so much in the All-American Baseball Classic, but in that first season with the Jackals proper in the Can-Am League. He looked really good. I think he'll be better than he was in that uh, kind of pop-up circuit league. At least I hope he will be. 
and uh, I I like him there. I think overall the rotation is pretty solid. Chase Ingram's another guy of note too. Uh, so I like that a lot. But the bullpen I'm really going to geek out over here. Um, mm-hmm. Dylan Brammer's a dude that just was electric. Him and Reese uh, uh, Corrales, I believe is how his last name is pronounced. I always get that wrong, but we're going to go with Corrales. And those two essentially willed that team to a championship uh, in 2019. They just went out and pitched their heart out. And it shows in the results. I really love them as like a back one-two punch. John Hayes is a guy who pitched in Southern Maryland. Maybe he gets put to the rotation. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But anywhere he is, he's going to be really effective in this league. Matt Vogel's another guy that I think is going to be really useful. And uh, Jason Zargowski is uh, another guy that I think was a great, great pickup in that um uh, dispersal draft, disposal draft as well. I think he's going to be a very, very, very productive player uh, in addition to this team. So all in all, I think the bullpen on this team could very well be second to none. I really like just about every arm that's going to get used there. Uh, overall, I think they're a pretty solid team. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to challenge Sussex County all that much, but they certainly will give them a scare, I think. The Jackals are going to be in it like they are every single year. Uh, they're going to compete. Uh, they're, they're, they're a strong team every season. They're always going to hit. I mean, Alfredo Marte is a guy who Nick, Nick and I have, have talked about so much as a guy that w- w- I'd really love to see in the Atlantic League one day as, as a former big leaguer, um, a guy with a 16 home run guy in, in 2019 with a 919 OPS. He's a guy that he's going to be among the, one of the better hitters. Uh, in the league, Santiago Torino is probably going to be their leadoff <laughs> guy, a super high-contact guy. Demetrius Moore, although the stats don't look great uh, from the All-American Baseball Challenge, uh, from the little that little pop-up league in 2020, I don't think that's really indicative of the player uh, that he is, just because um, he's shown over a full season uh, the player he the player he can be. Um, going to hit for a little bit of power, uh, but he gets on base. He's got really good speed, um, but and of course, Jason Agresti as well. He, he, he was great, uh, with the Jackals in, in the, uh, All American Baseball Challenge last year. I think you'll see some of that carryover as well. I think this is a very, a, a plus lineup. Uh, rotation wise, Chase Ingram, uh, was really good with the Jersey Wise guys. I could, see, I, I really like, I really like him. I agree with your point about Tessator, Nick. I think he's definitely going to bounce back. I don't think that, uh, 7.41 ERA is really indicative of the pitcher he was, the, the pitcher he is. 2020 was a weird year, especially for pitchers. Ron Herrera is a guy that I'm really uh, looking forward to. He's a, a, a former big leaguer uh, with the Yankees. Uh, did struggle quite a bit with the Rangers organization last year, a 7.73 ERA. But I think he will. I think it, uh, him transitioning to the Frontier League, He's going to be their X factor. They're going to need a big, big year out of him uh, if they're going to compete with teams like Sussex. With, with Sussex, so Ronald Herrera, they're really going to need him uh, to perform. And the bullpen is just outstanding. Definitely want to highlight John Hayes. Uh, that if you look at his numbers, John Hayes a five ERA in Southern Maryland. However, he was really he had a sub three ERA as a reliever uh, and an ERA upper near six as a starter. I think if he's used. In the bullpen, I think he's I think he's going to be a really really good arm for the Jackals, and of course Dylan Brammer has been so good with the Jackals in previous years. I don't see why that wouldn't continue. So overall, Jackals are a really good team. They're they're always a good team every year. 
at least on paper, I don't know if they're going. Uh, I don't know if they. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to catch Sussex County, but still a really good team nonetheless. Uh, and I'm, I'm disappointed that um, only one. I'm, I'm disappointed that they might not win the division. A team with this this much talent, just because of how amazing Sussex County is. I think you hit, you hit all the points. I mean, that I wanted to to talk about. Maybe Todd Isaacs too. I mean, he's a fourth outfielder, great speed. It could be a pinch runner. It could be, it could be deployed in the in the outfield. This is a great team. I I, I won't say great team. This is a good team, but they go against the Sussex County Miners. So we'll every time we talk about them, we'll go, yeah, but they've got the Sussex County Miners in their division. So it's going to be a tough year for them. But I, the, the transition from the Canon League to the Frontier League is very interesting. And you, you touched on it with Billy Pinkney in your interview. Uh, just finding the rookies. I mean, just adding the minimum 10 rookies on the roster. This is a new challenge for them. And it's going to be interesting to see when some of the guys get picked up or just get injured. What are they going to do? Do they have the supply? Uh, do they have the great contacts? So it's going to be a great season just to see the transition and just seeing them moving forward. Yeah, on that note, I do want to touch on one thing really quick, which is when we did talk to Billy and he said, I'm not sure we're going to see, at least the, the general thing was he was saying that I think the Can-Am teams may have a bit of an advantage finding these older players and knowing how to utilize them than some of the other Frontier mm-hmm. League teams will have for those first few years. And I think uh. you're kind of seeing that with some of these teams, particularly uh, Sussex County and New Jersey, in particular, where it's they made the absolute most of their more veteran spots, their more experienced spots, because they had older guys already on their roster that are going to affect here. Now, I'll openly admit that I haven't done too much preview work into the Central and the West Division so far, but from what little bit I have done, I haven't seen terribly much uh, in that camp of really well-established veterans that are going to be huge impact guys. Because one thing Billy did say is they're rookies, you know? You need 10 of them on your roster. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, how how productive can you expect a rookie to be? Like, you want them to be productive players. You want them to add something to your team, certainly. But you don't really bank on them being the cornerstone that's going to get you over the hump. That's what your veteran and more experienced players are for. And I think that's an area where the two New Jersey teams really seem to have grasped that concept and ran with it. And like you said, mm-hmm. I, I hesitate to call New Jersey a great team because, again, they, they're kind of our sandwich between two teams that I would call really great teams. But they are certainly a very good team. And I would say if they were in just about any other division – I'd like their playoff odds an awful lot more than I like them in this division. You're right. Yep. So with that, we'll go to the uh, the other team here, the lone remaining team here on the Can-Am side, the Northeast Division, which would be the Washington Wild Things-led first-year manager, uh, Tom Vaith. They look for their first championship since since 1997, so quite some time for them here. And let me just say... When I was doing this preview last night, I was not anticipating this team to be as good as they are. This is a team that has some really, really, really nice pieces. John Sampson is a guy that I think is really, really good. Andrew Penner's a guy that I gushed about uh, after the dispersal draft, and I stand by that. He's a really, really productive player. Hector Roa, I didn't realize how great of a hitter he is. 
18 home runs. And with power numbers like that, you expect like a a K rate of in the 30s, like 37% or something. But it's only like 22%, which honestly, you put up power numbers like that, you're allowed to strike out 20% of the time. That's perfectly fine in my book. And, <laughs> and it doesn't stop. Like Cody Erickson, I'm sure someone will hit on him in just a little bit. But he's another really productive player as well. And, like, the the rotation's pretty damn good, too. Darren Osby is a dude I really, really, really like. 116 innings pitched, sub-3 RA, and 122 strikeouts and 18 starts with, with uh, the Slammers last uh, time around. I love that. Uh, Michael Austin's another guy that I think's really going to do well as as well. Um, Kevin McNorton's a guy who's no stranger to the, to the Can-Am slash Frontier League level. So I think he's going to do really well. A little high for an ERA in 2019, but, you know, uh, I still like his odds of doing really well. And the bullpen is just kind of stacked. Uh, guys I'll mention but not go into too much depth about. Zach Strecker, BJ Sabble, uh, James Meeker. Mackenzie Mills is another dude. He didn't have the best outing with Winnipeg uh, last year, but in 2019, he looked fairly strong, I'd say, in the Marlins organization. And just all in all, I, I really do like this team. It's a surprisingly strong team. I think they really, really are going to scare Sussex County a lot. And I... D- I'm really annoyed that we're going to get robbed of a potential Sussex County Washington playoff series because I think these two mm-hmm. teams going at each other in a best of five would make for just outstanding baseball to watch. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, I really like this team, uh, a team that uh, in Washington that's really looking to rebound from a tough season. New manager uh, Tom Bates being brought in, and I think he's done a really nice job. I don't know if they're going to just based on how good the division is, I think it'd be tough for them to get to the playoffs. Uh, but I do think this team represents a good uh, a good building off point for hopefully when all the Canadian teams are in next year, we'll see how the divisions look uh, at that point. And maybe Washington could, um, could potentially get into the playoffs. But as far as this team, I think Hector Roa is definitely the, uh, the best hitter in this lineup. I'd like to see him walk a little more. Uh, as good of a hitter as he's been, uh, 288 average with only a 303 on base. Something you'd like to see uh, improve a little bit. Um, and even a guy like Cody Erickson, even a guy like uh, Cody Erickson, uh, like really good bat for a catcher. I think um, seven home runs in 64 games and hitting 274. Uh, he's a guy that I think is definitely going to have flown a little bit under the radar, but I I, I really like him behind the plate. Rarely do you get a catcher uh, who's able to hit uh, the way he can. I think they're going to need him um, a lot. Uh, even a guy like Grant Heyman, who's um, who showed who showed a lot of power with Rockland uh, back in 2019, uh, hitting 12 home runs there. Now, does that translate when leaving uh, the home runs their home run hitters paradise that is Rockland? Yes, we'll have to see. Uh, but as far as this rotation, I like Michael Austin. He is a uh, he returns after a solid 2019 campaign uh, with Washington. Uh, Darren, Darren Osby, I agree. I, I think being one of the better pitchers uh, with Joliet in 2019, bringing him to Washington was a, was a really, really good move. Uh, and in the bullpen, definitely a guy I wanted to touch on. I think, um, I think Mackenzie Mills uh, could surprise some people. Yeah, he's a double A arm. Definitely, uh, he he struggled a lot, but through eighty four innings, five thirty six ERA in double A. But the strikeout, the strikeouts are there. He struck out seventy four 
guys in 84 innings, um, only walked, only walked 32. So I think, I think Mackenzie Mills could be decent. I think you could see him make some starts as well, uh, as well for this team. Uh, it'll, it gets to be determined a little bit as far as, um, as far as what role that Tom Bates chooses to use him in, but Mackenzie Mills is a guy I really like. So overall, I, I think Washington's going to compete. Uh, I think they're, I think they're a solid team. Unfortunately, it's just, the, the division they play in, but I think it's definitely a good, it's definitely a good building season for them, uh, as they really look to, um, as they look to improve on what was a pretty brutal 2019 season for them. That was a great observation, Will, because Mackenzie Mills, when I talked to, uh, Tony Buccelli, the GM, he said that one of the conditions that Mackenzie Mills, uh, signed with Washington is that he would have a shot at making the, the rotation. So, when you yeah, look at yeah, Michael yeah. Austin, Kevin McNorton, Darren Osby, Nate Powellchick, Kevin Pimentel, I mean, who, who who's going for, for I mean, who, who won't be there? So the rotation is very, very good. They're amazing up the middle, very athletic, athletic in the, um, in the outfield. And I mean, this is a good, good team. I, I think they, they could be competing for, uh, first place in that division, but again, Sussex County designers are there. So it would be very, very difficult. But Mackenzie Mills wants to get back into affiliated ball. And from what I hear, uh, that was one of the conditions. You get me into that rotation and you get me a shot. Yeah, I mean, like, it's fair to ask for a shot here. But like you said, that rotation is just, it's so deep that mm-hmm. it's not even so much a matter if you can play your way into it. It's almost you're waiting for someone to play their way out of it. In that, you know, like who exactly is going to be the guy that you'd say, oh, well, we need to take them out of this rotation to get McKenzie in. I mean, like mm-hmm. Austin, you're not taking out. Osby, God knows, you're, he's not going anywhere. McNorton, maybe, but even then he, he puts up good numbers. He really doesn't walk anybody either. So that's certainly a plus. So you come down to the bottom guys that were both in that uh, kind of Yins league. And I mean, they did well in that. So. Maybe one of those two guys at the bottom there, but overall, it, there's nowhere to to take a guy out to get Mills in. But I mean, I almost wonder because we saw yesterday, technically Wednesday, when uh, because yesterday means nothing to you if you're listening. We saw in the Gary Milwaukee game, Gary essentially used an opener, so right. with with a guy going two and a third innings. So maybe you go to. Like the other extreme, and you use six starters. I mean, would using six starters be a good idea, especially on this level? I don't know. It would certainly be something that'd be interesting. And technically speaking, you're a starter then, even if you are the sixth guy. I mean, possibly if your bullpen's getting overworked, it's not a terrible idea. Maybe not one you want to use. Maybe not one that's not even being considered. Maybe we're locked in on five. But I certainly think it's an option that could be explored. Yeah, I think I think it I think it is an option you could explore. It's funny that you don't when you think of uh, frontier league teams and their starting rotations, it's not usually a possibility that you usually think about too much uh, going with a six man rotation. But I think Washington is in a unique certain a unique circumstance, and not to mention you're never going to get through a year where, where a starting pitcher doesn't get hurt. So they're going to need Mills, even if Mills doesn't start the year in the rotation, which I think is. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's pretty likely he could uh, start in the rotation. You're going to need a, a hell of a lot more than five starting pitchers to get through a season. So I think having two having a lot of starting pitching depth is a is a great problem to have. And I don't know if it's necessary to go to 
a six-man rotation right away because, you know, uh, you're going to need more than five starters to get through the year. Hmm. Certainly. So uh, on that note, we kind of finished the Can-Am side of things. So I guess we'll go to the West Division because that's where I got the most of these previews uh, done in. And we'll go to the Evansville Otters, a 57-39 and 39 season in 2019. Andy McCauley is uh, in as manager. A 2016 championship was their most recent one. And I want to say positive things about this team. I really do. Because I think a guy like maybe Montreal Marshall, who played in, with uh, Vallejo in the Pacific Association, could really, you know... You, his numbers could translate over, not in the same level. I mean, he has an OPS over 1,100. Certainly, he's not going to translate uh, over into the Frontier League, but I think he could still be fairly decent. Riley Crane I like a lot. I think he's a very productive uh, batter, uh, slugging just under 400, eight home runs. Uh, John Schultz is a guy that, you know, is a really, really solid hitter, too. At last count, I saw him on the roster, so I, I assume he's still there. Of course, the updating these rosters is a bit of a struggle sometimes for these teams, but uh, if he's still there, slash line 317, 411, 488, with 11 home runs, strikes out less than 25% of the time, OPS of about 900, just a shade underneath, he certainly will be a productive player. We know that he'll be good there. Elijah McName or McName is another guy that I think will be really, really good. Maybe not a power hitter, uh, but certainly a guy that can get on base. So I, I do like him as well. Matt Malkin, I think, is an interesting guy as well. Maybe not behind the plate. I think Dakota Phillips will be there, but uh, maybe in a DH role. Again, another guy, not the most uh, power-focused guy, I'd say, but certainly a guy that, again, he gets base hits, he moves the line along, so a productive player on this level, certainly. Uh, the rotation and the bullpen is really where I kind of hit the wall. Um, mm -hmm. Marty Anderson is a guy that could be very good. He could not be good. He walks a lot of guys, but he strikes a lot of guys out. Seems to be a trend among a lot of pitchers. So I, I like him as like a one-two option with Tyler Vale. Tyler Vale, I really like. 81 innings, 29 walks, four, 84 Ks, and a 5-5 five and five record at a 2.78 ERA. From there, the rotation doesn't do a lot for me. I, I have Portello or Portella uh, that in as a starter. But his most recent numbers are in summer ball, summer college ball. So you can't really take that for much. Neil Lang's another guy, but Pacific Association numbers. Anthony Ares I have in there as well, but only four starts and nine appearances with Evansville in 2019 and about 26 innings pitched. So you really can't get a, a fair sample size there. And as far as the ballpen goes... I really only saw three guys that I'd like to highlight. Two of them have rookie ball experience as their most recent. And the other guy is Logan Sawyer, who obviously had some struggles with Lancaster. But I think when he moves to the Frontier League level, he'll uh, adapt a lot better. I think he'll be a lot more productive of a player. But um, overall, I, I just don't really see much from this team. I know in some of their exhibition games, Nash has been getting in there. I think it's Trent Nash that's been getting in there and getting some playing time. But when I looked at his numbers for this preview, I didn't really overly love anything I saw about him. So, you know, I, I want to say more good things about this team than I am able to, but I don't think they're an awful team, but I also don't think they're a great team. Yeah, I, I think when looking at Evansville, it, it, it's it's just kind of 
meh, uh, to be honest with you, which mm. I know uh, is probably a little bit disappointing. I mean, they were really good uh, back in 2019, going 57 and 39. But uh, I mean, as far as their lineup, I, I think I think there's a couple guys I like in here. I like Riley Crane, a shortstop, a good bat there. Um, I really I, I want to highlight John Schultz because he's a guy who um went really well with, with Evansville, uh, but back in 2017. So uh, I, I don't know I don't know how relevant really that is now with with so much of a layoff. I like uh, I like Elijah McNam. Uh, I think he could be. I think I, I like him in the outfield as a high contact type of guy. But I think overall I think the lineup struggles with depth as far as the rotation. I I think Marty Anderson and Tyler Vale are a really nice one two combo at the top of the rotation. Uh, both Marty Anderson. Coming from Southern Illinois was sub three RA there. Tyler Vale returns after a uh, sub three ERA season with Evansville. I really like those two guys, but after it, it kind of just takes a nosedive. Honestly, I mean, with, with Polo Portella, it's great that he was really good in the Northwoods League, but again, that's a summer college league. Uh, if, if that if that's I have some concerns about that. If they're going to expect some big starters innings out of him, Neil Lang struggled pretty mightily in the Pacific Association, and even Anthony uh, Arias was uh, in limited time with uh, with Evansville was a bit up and down. So I think the pitching to me is is too much of a concern for me to really consider them um, a major a major playoff contender. But at the top of that rotation, Marty Anderson and Tyler Vale, I really like those two guys. It's just a matter of can anybody else in that rotation pick it up? Those are great points, uh, Will. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy that you mentioned John Schultz. I mean, I really, really like him. They, they have, they have an, an okay lineup. This is not, there is no wow factor. It's well-balanced. They can get on base. They can hit the ball. I'm not sure they can go against maybe, I don't know, the Southern, Southern Illinois Miners. But uh, I, I know that Dalton Stamba, uh, they want to stretch him out and get him in the starting rotation. He's appeared in two games already, one inning and then two innings. So I think they want to have another option in the, um, in the starting rotation. So it, right there, I mean, it, it gets just a little better. I, maybe they'll surprise us. I mean, that, that, that could happen. This is not my favorite team, but I know what they're trying to do. And uh, let's just see what happens this year. Like, I don't want to drag on them too much. For, like you said, there really isn't a wow factor here. And uh, with that, we'll go to really the last of the teams that I have uh, an in-depth uh, preview for here. So here's where we're going to start to rely on your expertise, Dave, uh, right after this team. But... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do have one for the Florence Yalls. Brian White comes in as his first uh, man- first year as manager uh, of the team. They have not won since t- since 2000. That was their last Frontier League championship. And I will say there are some players that I really do like on this team. Uh, the two that immediately I have to mention would be Jose Brizuela, who did really, really well in Sussex County, like seemingly everyone did in 2019 at a 302 batting average with nine home runs. Certainly a productive player. OPS over 900. Uh, Connor Crane's another dude. 
who has some power, a 442 uh, slugging percentage with 11 home runs. Uh, maybe not the most, you know, productive player in the sense of he hits for average. He only hit for 260, but certainly still a, a very useful player here. There's a couple other guys I'm sure everyone else will touch on, so I'll leave that meat on the bone. But I will say I do have an issue with the rotation. I really did scour this lineup, at least the one that was posted on their website as of last night, meaning Wednesday, and I really can only come across three natural starters. Perhaps there's a plan to move a guy that's more of a bullpen arm into a starting role, which is what I'd have to assume is the plan. I don't know who that would be, but perhaps it is the plan. Grant Hawkins, Edgar or Edgar Martinez, not that Edgar Martinez, a different one, and Frank Valentino are really the only three guys that I saw that had any real meaningful starter experience here. And I will say Valentino is interesting. He did well in 2019 with Florence, uh, 210 ERA, struck out 49 in 51 innings. Uh, Martinez, also pretty good, 72 innings pitched in 13 starts. And he did have a 250 ERA. Uh, But uh, yeah, overall, that rotation does leave some to be desired. I do like the bullpen a lot, though. Bullpen's really good. Uh, Jerry Cheek's a nice piece, although he doesn't have two innings in. Same boat with uh, Rubal. Jonathan Tripp, I do like a lot. He has a lot of uh, innings in his arm in that he mm-hmm. pitched 52 innings in 2019, 41Ks, only 10 walks, and an ERA of just over 1, 106 to be exact. And Carl Craig as well, 38 and two-thirds innings, 48Ks, 15 walks, but a sub-1 ERA, a .93 ERA. That's a really solid bullpen. Obviously, it's important to have a good bullpen if your starters aren't top of the line. But you got to keep in mind, you can only put so many innings on arms before they start to falter. Or even worse, before players start to get injured. So I don't love having to rely on your bullpen as much as I think Florence is going to have to do. Although, I will say, they are far from the worst team in this division in my mind. So Florence is an interesting team to me because we, we've talked a lot about teams with, with big power, uh, and, and stuff like that. But I kind of, I think Florence can be sneaky good. And the reason I say that is you look at this lineup. Connor Crane can certainly hit for power. Uh, hit, hit 11 home runs back in 2019 with Florence hit, hit 260 with a 782 OPS in 85 games. But overall, I think you look up and down this lineup. You have guys that are going to hit for a pretty high average and get on base at an even higher rate. And I think to me, uh, Nick, Nick, if you remember kind of how the St. Paul Saints were constructed last year in their yeah. 2020 uh, campaign, a lot of not so not so much a lot of power hitters, but a lot of high contact, high on base guys, maybe play a little bit of small ball. So I think this lineup could be sneaky good in that sense, just because they're going to be able to get on base and they're not going to strike out a ton. So I think the Florence lineup is interesting to me. The rotation, I think there's a lot of question marks. There's some talent. I just think there's a lot of question marks because you brought up that point of, well, who's going to be behind the guys like like Grant Hawkins, Edgar Martinez, and uh, Frank Valentino. I think all all three of those guys could be really nice arms at the top of the rotation. You're, you're going to need some guys to step up to fill out. And then the bullpen is really, really strong. I, I, I agree with your assessment. Um, you, have, you really have four arms there that uh, that have had a ton of success in the Frontier League in, in the past. Uh, I, I just I worry about the back half of the rotation. 
but I really do think the lineup can be sneaky good. And so I, I think I think Florence could surprise could surprise some people. I really do. I think that you said sneaky good, and that's exactly where I was going with that. Because first of all, I love Brian White and I love Chad Rhodes, the, the pitching coach. Chad Rhodes has got to be one of the best in the business. Is out of the by the Marlins organization. Uh, they were with Dennis Pelfrey, uh, which they had great years from 2015 to 2019. Uh, they finished first in 2019. So, uh, and they've got a, a, um, a great returning offensive player who was last there, I think, two years ago. It's uh, Jordan Brower. Big power, big OBP, can put the, the ball in play. And in the rotation, I like Grayson Hoffman. Grayson Hoffman with, with, was with the uh, Vancouver Canadians out of the Blue Jays organization. Huge strikeout numbers, but he had Tommy John surgery. So it could, again, the sneaky good. I mean, it could just fit into that rotation, just make it more, uh, make it more powerful. And you've got a, a guy, Yoshi Amazaki. He's a three pitch pitcher. They have a huge upside on him. They, they really, really like him. They say that he's a huge uh, ground ball pitcher. So I, I'm just willing to give them a chance to show us what they can do. And Christian Tripp, Christian Tripp, six feet, seven inches. And he's playing with his brother, Jonathan Tripp. So it, it's a weird mix, but it's a good mix. Huge upside, I think. And uh, again, Jordan Brower returning at first base. I like this a lot. It, it honestly is almost like uh, an Adams family type team where you have such a eclectic mix of players where I think both of you are right, where they are kind of a sneaky good team. I will say mm-hmm. just quickly looking over the other rosters in this division, because like I, like I said, I haven't gotten an opportunity yet to really do a deep dive into either roster. I like Southern Illinois roster a lot. So I guess we'll go there next because there's a handful of guys here and I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but just names that immediately jump out to me. Chase Cunningham. I remember being a, a very productive player and obviously, I see Gunnar Kynes on there, who is kind of uh, a crush around this show as to how much we love him on there as well. Um, I will say, though, the, the two names that are going through here really jump out to me, besides Craig Massey, obviously, and uh, Gianfranco Weiwo, uh, would be Noah Early. Noah Early is certainly a guy that I really, really like on this team. I I just remember him being very productive in the time that I saw him. I want to say he's a former Jackal player as well. And he did, he did well with the Jackals here. And then, uh, he just, I really like him coming in. I, I recall him being a very good player, but obviously Craig Massey spent some time in Somerset too. And he did well there. Overall, I think it's a pretty solid team. Also, I remember Archer Nieto being a, a solid player too. I don't recall where mm-hmm. I remember his name from, but I remember him being a very productive player. Yeah, it's, I think um, Connor Kynes is going to be among one of the best pitchers in the Frontier League, like he is, like he seems to be uh, every year. Kind of disappointed we didn't get to see him in Somerset last year, but you know the the pandemic had other ideas. So, but I think he's going to be really good. Craig Massey certainly uh, a high contact guy at his best. Had an outstanding. He won the won the batting title in the Atlantic League in 2018, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then in 2019 just. Really, just uh, I, I don't want to say took a nosedive because that seems kind of hard, uh, but he really he really disappointed, uh, and so now returning to, to Southern Illinois, uh, 
I, I think it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if he can if he can start to round into that 2018 form. But I, I think Southern Illinois is a pretty good team. Um, of course, led by of course led by led by Kynes and Massey. Really interested interested to see uh, how how Massey comes back after uh, trying to rebound from a not so good uh, 2019 campaign. I think him coming back to the Frontier League could certainly uh, can certainly help those numbers, but it'll be interesting to see for sure. I think one thing that's interesting with the South um, Southern Indiana Miners is not only the starting lineups and the starting pitchers are very good, but the depth. The, the, the depth is, is very, very good. Arturo Nieto, Luke Mangieri, Craig Massey, Jim Franco Wawo. I mean, I mean, a great shortstop in Godino. Um, in the outfield, great athletes with Stacey Brocanto, Jared Mang, but the starting rotation. I mean, just listen to this. Cunningham, Kind, Zach Westcott, Stephen Ridings, and Justin Farrell. They, they also have Tyler Brown, who could be a starter on their, on their team. Then you go to the, to you to get the, um, to the, to the bullpen, Blake Stelzer, Tommy Myler. I mean, I mean, it, it's what they've done with this lineup is, I think, a bit comparable to what they've done with the uh, Sussex County Miners. I would not be surprised to see them in a championship uh, series. You know, I'm really hoping for this because I was actually I remember when uh, I talked to Steve Tasler, the uh, the kind of assistant to the commissioner, uh, when when he was on the show and i said i really want to see a minor series i want to see the miners versus the Myers. so i'm really hoping that and i do agree <laughs> I, I i said it should be a winner take all whoever wins the series should get to keep the name the other guy should have to change their name that's how it should be it's the fairest way to determine this to clear up the confusion of two minor teams in one uh one minor league so that said though i do agree with the with your assessment it, they are such a really really deep team and like you said, that rotation is going to be really, really solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I expect a lot out of them uh, overall. They, they, I think, are probably the favorite at this point to uh, to come out of the West Division, I would say. Of course, we still have to look at Gateway, but I will say my quick overview of that Gateway roster wasn't as, uh, as kind there. Looking at Gateway's team overall... Uh, there's a couple of guys I like. Obviously, Cam Roth now in his manager. I, I like that. Uh, there's some guys on the inactive list that I like a lot. Uh, Cody Regis is a dude I like a lot, but he's on the inactive list. Uh, they still have Nick Kennedy listed here as an inactive player, although he's technically the pitching coach of Ottawa, so I'm not sure what the deal is there. Andrew Gist is a guy I would like to see play this year because, again, I'm really high on him. I really like him a lot as a player, as a pitcher. Breland Almondova is probably the guy that, out of all the batters, I know the best and I can say is going to be an electric player. He had a couple of Sports Center top 10 plays, actually, surprisingly enough, in 2019. He's a pretty good hitter on this level, so I really do like him a lot to be a productive player here. I remember Nick Rotala, or Rotola, um, also from doing a preview on him from back in like early 2020. And from what I recall, he's not a half bad player either. I will say overall, though, without really, again, doing a lot of deep dive into these players, there's no one else that really jumps out at me. I will say Tanner Cable's an interesting player, too. Sebastian uh, Kelsey or Kelsey is an interesting player as well. Cody Thompson mm-hmm. could be a note. But all in all, 
uh, from this roster, not too much is jumping out at me. I think they're probably better than Evansville. I'm not sure they're better than Florence, and I don't think they're better than Southern Illinois. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Gateway is definitely in that third to fourth place range, and they'll probably end up struggling a little bit. Breland Al- Almadova is, is definitely a guy I, I really like uh, coming into coming into the Frontier League. Super fast, uh, good contact. Uh, re- and of course, really good speed as well. So I think he's definitely a guy to look for, uh, as far as gateway. But I, I think I would agree with your assessment, Nick. I think that, uh, actually, you know, I, I would probably say that they're, they would be the fourth place team, um, in, in, in the West division, uh, in, in my view. Uh, I think I would probably put Evansville a little bit over them, but I, I, I don't think gateway, um, will be competing for a playoff spot too, too much this year. I think this is a case of um, if a manager really matters in a team, in Cameron Rudd, they, they've got maybe the best in the business right now. So if they can get the best out of this roster right now, I mean, just uh, behind the plate, uh, Chase Vallett and Andres Regno, which was in the Mets organization, the guy can rage. There is no way this guy will be with the team at the end of the season or almost no, no reason to be. It is very, very good. In the outfield, Dustin Woodcock, huge power. Axel Johnson, huge power. An average, an OBP. And Brelan Almadova, he was, he was in the American, um, the American Association in the Atlantic League. Huge speed. Nick Rotola, which I'm a huge fan of. I will agree that the starting rotation is kind of, um, I will not say a weak point, but there was a lot of option. And I don't know if you know Clinton Allen, his no story, he was addicted to painkillers and then he was addicted to, um, to heroin. But the guy was with the, the Blue Jays. It was a huge prospect. Well, not a huge prospect, but it was a very, very good prospect. And then it, it all just came crumbling down for him. So they, they're, I think Sebastian Kese, uh, Neil Oskali, Jordan Barrett, who was also with the Toronto organization, and Clinton Olin. They give them good options in the starting rotation, but what I like is the back end of the bullpen. Carlos Vega, Van, uh, Matt Vonderschmidt, uh, or Eta Vares, which um, uh, he's a guy that Cameron Roth uh, mentioned to me in the interview that he, he, re- he really liked. So, or Eta Vares, uh, Jeffrey Bramblett, who will be the closer. So, they're they're not at all a bad team, not even close. But if Cameron Rock can bring the best out of them, we could be surprised. Yeah, so obviously I don't know the team all that well, but would you say that really this is a case of a team, players have to perform above what really is kind of projected for them to? Like that's that's their pathway to the victory here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Because just, I, I mean, in the, in the infield, I like it. I'm not just sold on, on the position player in the infield. Nick Gatewood, I, I like. Jose Rosario is okay. Connor Owings, Justin Jones. I'm, I'm not just sure they're, they're the impact player that they need right now. All right. Okay. I, 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 I see where that's going. All right. So on that note, uh, we'll go to that final division then because we've wrapped up the West. We'll go to the Central here and we'll kick it off with Lake Erie. Um, I will say I'm not really familiar with many of any of these players, to be quite honest, on this team, so I can't really uh, be of too much use right here. I do see they have a player that played in China for a little bit, too, in uh, 
I'm not even going to try and pronounce that name there, but they do have someone there. Brian De La Rose is a guy I remember playing a little bit, so I could see him maybe uh, turning into something. Trevor Achenbach, or Achenbach, he's a guy where I think, you know, he was the first overall pick in the uh, dispersal draft, so he's obviously going to be a productive player for this team. Shawan Dunstan Jr. is another guy that's an interesting player. Isaac Bernard's another interesting player. Uh, I will say for me though, the guy I like the most, and this is solely based off of his play, not, uh, or not off of his play, but based off of his name for no other reason than that, uh, is General MacArthur because, I mean, that's just, that's an 80 grade name. General MacArthur. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so that, that's, yeah, I, I think that I, I don't, I don't have too much, uh, too much more. I'm not, not too familiar. Uh, with the roster, but you know, sorry, you, you mentioned uh, a guy who played in played in China for a little bit. I wonder if he played for the Texas Air Hogs. Uh, <laughs> God rest the the soul of the te- the Texas Air Hogs in the American Association. Please, they've been reborn as a cricket stadium. Oh Lord! Mm. But <laughs> ah, the good old Texas Air Hogs who won pretty much nothing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they won their twenty games a year. Look, yeah, they were that, just like a is, per- they, got, they got their twenty in. They were a permanent Houston Apollos. Trust me, I did the research on it. Oh, uh, so so you did do the research? Of course I did. No one would ever accuse me of not doing my research, as I say, oh. and as I preview teams I didn't research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I think it'd probably be let, best to let um, to to let Dave take the yeah um, take well, the rest of Lake Erie. He certainly would know more more about this roster than I would. Yeah. Sure, my pleasure. Uh, so it's, it's the first uh, season for Dan Ron, the manager. Uh, Brian De La, Ro- De La Rosa, sorry, behind the plate, a longtime member of the of Lake Erie. I like him a lot. Uh, Zach Gray, he was in the USBL, and I think he's got great potential. Huge OBP numbers, huge OPS. Then again, this is the USBL. He's going to be uh, against stronger competition. Okay, two guys I like very much, and they took them out of the dispersal draft. I think they were one of the winners out of that draft. Brian Bensro and Trevor Aikenbach. Aikenbach is a leader. He was with the uh, River City Rascals the year, well, in 2019 when they won it all. And he can move all over the place. So either if a player gets injured or a player gets picked up, he can go and play all over the place. Brian Bensro has not played um, in professional baseball, well, the Pecos League, but he, he's got a, every level that he plays, he ranks. And the guy is a gamer. He's five foot nine. he's little, and he wants to prove that he's worth it. First base, you, uh, well, you've got uh, Zach Gray. Third base, Chris, uh, Chris Quitzer. He's got great potential. I like the guy. And there's also this new signing, uh, which, I mean, he was on the California Winter League page, but Nobody, nobody, I, I did not see it at any other place. It's Cole Stanton. He's a third baseman. He's got power. He's got, it's for average and he's a right ended pitcher. So a two way player in, he, he throws in the low nineties. I mean, it could be a huge piece for them if he develops as they want him to develop. I like the outfield, but not that much. It seems to be built more on, average and OBP and speed rather than power. Maybe they've got the power that they need in the infield. I don't know. But if the defense can do the job in the outfield, maybe they could maybe prevent some runs. 
And where I like them is the starting rotation. Ryan Fire, Fireband, the knuckleballer. They've got Robbie Rowland. Uh, he's, he's, he's got the big presence on, uh, on the, on the social media. So I, I'm, I'm waiting to see what kind of impact he can have on the staff. You've got Sam Curtis and, uh, Sean Johnson, Sean Johnson. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I like them because they're not huge strikeout guys, but they keep the ball in the park and they don't allow a, too much walk, so that I like a lot. And at the end of the bullpen, Taylor Sog, good K's, but maybe too much walks. And Tyler Vogel, six foot eight, high upside. He was in Washington in 2020 in pod play. And they've got a lefty, GT Perez, who was in the Minnesota um, uh, organization, and he should be used in high leverage situation. Great team? I don't think so. But uh, the potential for them, I like them a lot. Yeah, see, I, I want to add more into that, but I really, I really can't because again, like I said, I don't know, I don't know terribly much about this. So you're really going to be carrying us through this last quarter of the way through. So I, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just going to let you keep going. And I got Juliet teed up next. Uh, I'll, I'll add what I can here in that I remember seeing Austin Shea around and I remember him being a, a productive pitcher as well as Keaton Sullivan. I remember that name. Uh, I want to say. He was a former Can-Am late guy. Uh, I don't remember terribly much else from him. Uh, like I said, I'm not really familiar with ter- terribly many uh, other guys here on this particular team. So uh, I-, I got nothing else much to add on, on this front. So I- I'll let you kind of carry us uh, through the rest of the way here. Absolutely. Well, off the field, what's interesting, they'll have the first woman uh, first base coach in Madison, Senia. Uh, so that will be interesting, uh, an interesting story to follow this year. Uh, at first base, they had a, a guy from the, I think it was a first rounder from Atlanta, Braxton Davidson. Right now, I don't see him on the roster, but I haven't seen him released. So it's kind of weird, but they've got an option in Angelo Gums. Uh, he was with the Yankees organization in Cincinnati too. Huge power. Second base, they got Patrick Coza. Third base, uh, Arison Bragg and Riley Ware. That could be options over there. And, uh, a good, they got a good glove in Taylor Depreda Johnson, uh, at shortstop. Um, wh- I mean, it, it, th- this is one of the teams that, that's kind of a mystery to me in a way because th- they're not out there. So in the outfield, you have Clayton Arp, you've got Eric Jenkins, uh, junior, huge speed. And the one I like in right field, Oren Veyon. It's kind of an, all-around player is a good player and then when you go to the starting rotation tyler jengron steve myers cameron of their id uh chris roycroft and as you mentioned austin shea so i don't think they'll i don't think they'll impress us but it, I, I i will follow them and I'm, I'm eager to see what they can do yeah certainly will you have anything to add on that I uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I did pretty much. Uh, I feel like Dave's pretty uh, pretty much covered everything here. But uh, they'll, they'll be they'll be an interesting team to watch. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah. So with that, uh, we'll transition to Windy City next. I know a little bit are a few names here. Uh, Jake Fisher, I see listed. Although I was nearly 100 percent positive really? he retired. 
Like, I thought I thought you retired too. Yeah, but he's still he's still listed. So I mean, like I can only go off of what's shown here on the roster, and it's it's apparently directly from the Frontier League website. I followed all those links, so he's still listed there. Andrew Mitchell's a guy that I, I remember him right from uh, from doing team previews and looking over rosters last go around. I remember him being a very very productive pitcher. Granted, at a collegiate level, but still, San Diego State, I'm pretty sure, is a Division One program. So, I do like him as a bullpen guy. I remember Peyton Isaacson as well, as a nice little productive catcher. Not, you know, going to make a huge impact, but certainly one that I think will be of note here. And the guy that I think both me and Will can comment the most on is Zach Rakuzin. A dude that was also picked oh, yeah. up in the draft. A really, really, really nice piece. A solid outfield bat. And I'm sure Will can do more justice talking about players, so I'll let him handle that there. But I will say before moving on, there's a glut of guys on the inactive list. A guy like Mika Coffey I think could be interesting or useful. A guy like Blake Hickman's another guy that I think could be interesting or useful. There's a lot of guys. Dan Valario's another dude that's on the inactive list. So I'm not really sure what the deal is with a lot of these guys. But if some of them can come back, I think that would probably make the team stronger as well. Yeah, I think it's uh, recusing the guy that I, that I was a big fan of. Uh, it, during his time watching him in the All-American Baseball Challenge and in the Somerset uh, Professional uh, Baseball Series. So I was really excited when I saw that he got picked up uh, by Windy City. He's a guy that, um, that, that has shown the ability to hit at the Frontier League level. So I, I think recusing returning to the Frontier League after some time with, with Somerset, uh, with, with the actual Somerset Patriots, not just the pop-up league, I think he's one of the more intriguing uh, pieces with this team and a guy that I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, exactly. And one guy that we don't talk about often is exactly what I'm excited. The guy is, uh, was with the banana savannas. He was in the takeoffs league too. Huge, huge power. And I've never received as much feedback as when he was signed. I mean, I think it was two weeks ago by the team. People love him. So huge power, two way guy. He can, he can get, some outs. I mean, he's, he's a very good pitcher. He can hit 93 and 94 miles an hour out of the bullpen. And Brian Smith told me, I will give him every chance to show me what he can do in camp. And if he's good enough, well, he'll be a two-way player uh, during the season. And that's what I like about this team because Brian Smith and Kevin Santiago came, um, came on the team in 2019. And I talked with both guys and they kind of mentioned that it was not clicking. They had the worst record in 2019, but things were not clicking because they had a new philosophy, but they had, they had the old guys from 2018 and some things were just not going as they wanted them to go. So they, they have high hopes for this year and they just added to, uh, at first base, Jamie Smart. I love this guy. He's a complete player, not only good on the field, but he's very good at the plate too power, uh, average, and he gets on base a lot. And as you mentioned, uh, Zach Rakusen, what a great addition. As Brian Smith mentioned to me, he likes to go with uh, middle of the, the, the field guys, and then he can deploy them pretty much everywhere on the field. So they have great, uh, they have a great defense. They're great athletes. Uh, so it, it can kind of, uh, weather if some guys will be picked up or injured. And I like this strategy a lot. And when you get to the starting rotation, Jake Fisher, I mean, he was the anchor of the, of the team for a few years. 
Tyler Thornton, Kenny Matthews, Neil Abatiello, and Stetson Woods. I love them. Stetson Woods hasn't pitched in 2019, but he was very good in the past, so I'm, I'm eager to see what he can do this year. And at the back end of the bullpen, you've got two guys who can pretty much close every game you want. Dylan Proorov and Colby uh, Bluebird. I like them a lot. So this is, if I had to pick one team in the league that's the most improved from 2019 and that has the guys to oversee them. So Kevin Santiago, the hitting coach and Brian Smith as the manager, this would be Windy City Thunderbolts. A, a month ago, I would not have said that, but they've made so many additions that I really, really like what, where they are right now. You weren't kidding about Jamie Smart. Jamie Smart's a really, really nice player. He batted nearly 300. Absolutely. Like, I didn't realize how good of a player he was. Like, I finally got around to opening up baseball reference. I'm looking that over. Even, uh, like, McFadden, like you said, he's a, he's a nice little player. Like, numbers-wise, he, like, he may take a little bit of time to get acclimated, but, yeah, no, he looks like, those look like really strong players. This is only me, but I think yeah. it changes the whole lineup. I mean, it, it just makes the lineup longer. So if you add Jamie Smart, I mean, just a few weeks before the start of the season, I mean, it changes everything as far as I'm concerned. Oh, absolutely. It absolutely does. So I guess that leaves the one final team, the Schomburg Boomers, to go over. Otto, I see, is behind the plate, too, which I really like him. Quincy Nyport is a guy that I remember back when I was doing the uh, – I guess technically I was doing like uh, phone wallpapers or whatever, but I saw he was like a really productive player for them in the past. So seeing him back is probably a good sign there. And I, of course, see Willie Garcia there, a guy that was supposed to be a golden eye, if not this year, last year, I know for certain. And obviously there was issues getting him over because of the COVID situation. But seeing him here now, that's obviously a really, really nice piece. Uh, to have here. Uh, overall, I, I really do think this is an interesting team uh, to watch just from the couple of pieces I see. I may be wrong and it could be just like those pieces and it's it, but uh, I'm curious to see uh, some more information on this team. They're going to be, they're certainly going to be uh, an, inter- an interesting team. Uh, I think in a division that I don't know. I, I think the central division is probably the weakest division out of, out, out of all of them. Uh, I mean, it, between between them and the West, I'd probably say the West is is a little bit stronger. Uh, but no, I, I think I think Schaumburg, I think they they could potentially be a team that's competing uh, for a playoff spot by the end of the year. I, I think that I think I think they're a solid team. I'm interested to see what what they do. I don't know if you agree with me, guys, but I think this is kind of a all or nothing team. What I mean by that, they've got, they've got some guys with huge power. Nick Ames, Quentin Yaporte, um, they've got Alec Craig. Alec Craig was with the Minnesota organization. I love, love his potential. And they've got guys, uh, in the outfield, Brett Milazzo, Clint Hardy, Willie Garcia. I mean, at the plate, this is their best player and he can play center field. So it, they kind of have this all or nothing kind of makeup, but they could be a huge, huge team, uh, in this division. And just the starting rotation, Andrew Dean, he, he was with the Padres. I like him a lot. You, not huge strikeout, um, numbers, but he can end all the workload. And they've got Orlando Rodriguez, who was with Cincinnati and Schomburg in the past, and Aaron Rosek, he's a lefty. So the top three um, 
uh, starting pitchers, I think could really, really bring them closer to the playoff. And if the power works, because I don't know when trust field, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So maybe we, you could uh, just give me some feedback if you do know about that part. But um, I, I like what they bring. I'm not just sure. I'm, I'm not sure that they are a complete team, like very athletic. But from what I know, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with Wintrust Park, uh, overall. I will say one guy that I do want to mention though, uh, is Angelo Gums. I just looked him up because I was like, oh, that's an interesting name. And I see he played in the AA. He's not a bad player. He had, uh, some, some success there. I believe he's about a 297 hitter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, 276, my mistake. But even still, a productive little player there. Didn't do terrible in double A either. So I think maybe there, but I, I would agree with it that from at least what I saw, uh, just quickly looking over that roster, that it is a bit of a do or die type, um, type team there. Looking at the dimensions of this ballpark now, uh, 355 to left, 400 to center, 353 to right. So not, you know, a mile and a half, but that's a big ballpark. But yeah, it certainly, it certainly isn't small. So if you're going with the power lineup in this kind of a ballpark is a, a bit of an interesting call. <laughs> so I'm not sure about that, but, uh, anywho, that, that's all the teams we got to cover here. So I guess now we should get to what a lot of people are interested in, which is what will our playoffs look like from which division will which team come out of? I guess we'll start in the beginning where we start, which is the Atlantic division. Uh, I'll go last in naming what teams I want. I'm not sure if Dave wants to start or if Will wants to start. Whoever wants to start, just go ahead, Will. Yeah, so Will, okay, take it so, off. so I guess so for the Atlantic division, uh, I think it's going to come down to Tri City and Quebec. Uh, I don't, there, there are some, there are some holes in, uh, Tri City's roster. I think there's no doubt about that, but I think they have, um, the strongest group of veterans in this, uh, in this, in this division by far. And so I think it's going to be really close and I could see it going either way, but I, I just don't think that Quebec, especially playing on the road, most likely for the whole year, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, so I do see Tri City coming out on top in the Atlantic division by, by just a couple games. I think it's going to be a really fun race down the stretch now. I think you're right. I mean, what what I read this morning uh, kind of bothered me a little because if your best players won't be there at the beginning of the season, then miss a few weeks in the middle of the season. You're a traveling team. This bothers me. Uh, when it comes to Tri-City, they're a good team. As Nick mentioned, they've got two of the best players uh, in the division and down, so they could make some waves. But I think you're a bit down on the boulders. As you've seen, TJ Stanton went right after guys at the beginning of the offseason. He signed uh, players that were out of affiliated ball. Their, uh, their bullpen is explosive. Uh, this is not an all or nothing kind of team. This could come down to equip, equip, equip Quebec or, uh, all the boulders. Quebec uh, as their players most of the year. I think they can. I, I think they can do it. I, I think they can win. But what I read this morning, uh, I was a little disappointed. So I'll go with the boulders. You know, we're all going to have three different answers now because I understand. <laughs> I understand Quebec's not going to have a lot of their guys, especially top level guys, for part of the year. 
I get that. And I understand they're a traveling team, so I understand that that does that qualm, that issue. That said, I'm really not that high on on this Boulder team because the obviously the upside of playing in a ballpark like uh like they have is you can hit to the corners and easily reach and hit a lot of home runs. Conversely, the issue is so can your opponents. And I one of the elements that I, I need to look at here real quick, and I'm going to pull up the that right now, is their schedule. Because if I'm right, that means they are going to also have a lot of games where they are playing against uh, Sussex County, New Jersey, all of those types of teams. Which means you're going to have teams just lighten your guys up an awful lot. Now, obviously, everyone's going to. They're on the same half of this uh, this division. That said, I just I see a lot of team, a lot of games here where I see New Jersey a lot. I see Washington a lot. I see Sussex County a lot. All like I understand everyone has the same teams. But I just like Quebec because I think overall they can handle it better. I get it that they're going to be without their team's best players for a little bit here. And I understand whether or not they go and are able to play at home is anyone's guess here. And it may be a little like scattered brain my thinking here. But I just think that Quebec can match up against the two teams that are in their division. I think Rockland, New York, whatever you want to call them, the Boulders. Uh, I I think they're going to get exposed fairly early on as to the lack of depth in their pitching. I think that overall they're they're not as good of a team as the other two in their division. And I think Tri City honestly is really dependent on four or five players really 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 doing well and carrying everybody. And I mean, if we're being honest here, would anyone be surprised if Juan Silvario or Dennis Phipps gets picked up by the beginning of July? And if the answer is no, we wouldn't be surprised. When they're gone, now you're really just eliminated two major threats in your lineup. Arguably, the two are the better players in this league. So uh, I just I have a feeling on Quebec. Maybe it's I just want a Cinderella type story. Maybe it's that I I'm just drawn to them for whatever reason. But I'm I'm pulling Quebec out of this. I'd like to add something to that too because mm-hmm. I think we forgot something. Quebec will be playing against hockey. Uh, I, I think we can say that the Canem uh, Conference mm. is a bit stronger than the Midwest Conference. W- would you agree with that? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a pretty fair statement. Perfect. So while Quebec will be playing all those teams that they can not beat up upon, but they can just gather some wins along the way, the Boulders, Tri-City, Jackals, the Miners, and the Wild Things will all beat up on each other. So instead of maybe taking a few games here and there that could maybe advance them in the rankings, in, in the in the standings, sorry, mm. uh, Quebec could be sneaky good. So I forgot about that. I will keep the Boulders as my pick, but I think your pick will win maybe because of that factor. What do you think? It, it, it's interesting. I think the, the idea of... Uh, of, of beating up on each other is, cer- is certainly possible. I think, I think a lot, I think a lot of teams, yes. I think Sussex County is really just that much better though. And I, even though they, they undoubtedly ha- have a tougher schedule, uh, than really anybody else, I think that, so I think that's certainly possible. Uh, but I, I, I see your point, but I think that, uh, 
I think just there's going to be too much fluctuation with the roster. Uh, and, of course, playing all games on the road is really, really tough to do. And I think that, that might, and I think that's still good, probably going to catch up to them uh, in the end. Good point. So right now what I'm just, I want to point out one thing I'm doing. I'm pulling up everybody's uh, schedule that I can find at the moment because I want to see one thing in particular, which the miners, I got to be honest with you guys. I love you guys. You're a great organization. You've done a lot to help us. Uh, but your, your website's a real pain in the ass. Uh, there's no way around it. It just took me like two minutes to find the full schedule because it's listed under team for whatever reason. Uh, but I, I do want to point one thing out. The the main event series, the first time that uh, the Miners play Washington, isn't until June 28th or 29th, my mistake. June 29th is the first time they play. And I'm really looking forward to that game. Like I'm, I'm probably going to wind up going to that game because it, that that's going to be a fun series to watch there. But uh, that said... Uh, coming out of the uh, the northeast division, the the metro, the Thunderdome, if you would, you got Sussex County, you got New Jersey, you got Washington. I guess I'll kick this off. It really is tough for me because like they're all good teams, but there's two great teams, and then there's Sussex County. So I'm gonna pick the Miners, not because Washington isn't amazing, because they are a really amazing team, not because New Jersey's bad, but just because the Miners don't have a weak spot. Like, I guess you could argue the bullpen, but I mean, that even then, that's a, it's a hard argument to say that it's a bad bullpen. It's just not as amazing as the other elements of this team. And again, trying to pick a winner out of this division just reminds me how much I hate that the Frontier League made me pick between all these teams and why, <laughs> why the boulders should be substituted out for Washington right now. Actually, another thing I want to point out here. We moved Washington and Lake Erie over into the Can-Am division for, you know, everything to be level and equal. But yet we have now one conference of six teams and one of eight teams. Why didn't they just move Lake Erie into, like, say, the Atlantic, swap the boulders with Washington? So now you have one uh, four-team division on each side of things. Washington and Lake Erie are nearby. You could have Quebec and Tri-City nearby, and then you still maintain Sussex County, Rockland, slash New York, and uh, New Jersey all on the one side there. Nothing else really changes, and I don't think Lake Erie is like that much closer to Gateway, slash Florence, slash Southern Illinois than they would be to Washington, Tri-City, and uh, a traveling team. Like, why why wasn't that done? That seems like it would make a lot more sense. Yeah, it would make a lot more sense because it, 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 is, it is quite annoying to see six on one side and eight on the other side. So uh, I'm with you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, like, again, like, you could have just went with an odd number of teams if you're going to make, if you weren't going to make everything level. But eh, regardless, what's everyone else thinking coming out of the Northeast? Yeah, so I, I think there are three really good teams in this division, but I think Sussex County is just a step above everybody else. I think their lineup is too dangerous. I think uh, a guy who I think is going to win Pitcher of the Year in the Frontier League, Tyler Danish, anchoring the rotation. I think the Miners are that good. Uh, and, and I think at the, end of the, at the end of the day, I think they coast to a, uh, a Northeast Division title. I think they're, they're that good of a team. Wow. Okay, Dave? I could not agree more. I mean, I, I will say that I think the miners are my pick to click 
all year long. I mean, even for the championship. I mean, but I really like what Tony Bocelli is doing in Washington. The guy is old school. It's kind of a mix with old school and new school. He's the GM over there. I really like the way he built the roster. I really, really do. But he's up against a monster and the monster has got a name. It's the Sussex County Miners. So, uh, I'm going to with you guys and I think this is a fair pick. Yep. Yep. So. On to the other side of things here, the Central. What are we thinking coming out of the the Central division? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Windy City. I, I think Windy City. Uh, I know oh. they, they 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 struggled. Uh, in, I know they struggled a lot in 2019. I think their roster is significantly uh, improved. Uh, I know it, it, it's a bit of a bold pick, uh, but I I think Windy City has improved. Uh, the roster a lot this year and you know what I'll go bold and maybe it backfires on me but I, I think Windy City surprises some people I think they come out on top in the central mm. this is exactly where I was going exactly where what I was going to say and I'm going with a Thunderbolt I mean they're in a division that's uh, I'll say I don't even know if that's a word uh, winnable yeah. so uh, it, it's a very it's a sneaky Good team. I don't know if they can compete, uh, for a whole series against the Miners, the Sussex County Miners, but I really think that they, they will win this division, not by 10 games, of course, but I think they can win this because they've got the right people in place and the right, um, just the right group of players. It's a nice mix. It's, a, it's a nice place. Uh, and they, they were last in their division. They were, they were last in the league. In 2019, so it's kind of a it's a good story, but there's a reason for that. They they, they build themselves themselves up again. Uh, I really like the Windy City Thunderbolts. I'm going with them. I was gonna follow suit and also pick Windy City, but everyone knows I have hmm. to be different. I have to be that guy. So I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Schaumburg. And I understand we just said it's interesting that you build a power team in a very deep ballpark. But, and also that we said, look, they're pretty much a do or die, you know, either they go bust or they go big. I'm going to yeah. bet on them going big. Uh, maybe it's playing roulette here, but I, I think they can do it. I think there's enough pieces there. I think a guy like Willie Garcia there, uh, and among others, is really will come up. They'll step up and they'll perform. That said, if it wound up being Windy City, I wouldn't be surprised. Like you said, Dave, this is a very winnable division. I mean, there's no one team that's overwhelmingly strong here. And like I said, I, I'd be willing to put just about any team from the other side of the bracket in either one of these two divisions and, and pick, uh, you know, pick a New Jersey or a Washington to make it over any team in the central or the west. But we don't have that luxury. So I'm, I'm going to pick Schomburg, although Windy City could definitely Definitely get it done. And on that note, we do have one last division to pick here, uh, which would be the uh, West Division, comprised of Gateway, Evansville, Florence, Southern Illinois. I guess I'll just keep talking for a second and pick Southern Illinois. I think they're the most complete team. I love Gunnar Kynes. I love Chase Cunningham. I love that rotation for that alone. And like uh, like Dave was saying when we were previewing them, it's a deep team. I, I really like that team. I think... Uh, I think they are probably the favorite in the West. I'm not sure what everybody else is thinking on that, but uh, they are certainly my pick. Yeah, I have Southern Illinois as well. I just think they're I think they're a really well built team all around. Gunnar Kynes and the rest of that starting rotation. 
I think it's a really strong group. And I think Craig Massey bounces back after a, a down 2019 in Somerset. I think he, I think he's hitting over 300. I think he, he leads that lineup. Uh, I think... Um, I think Florence could potentially. Uh, I think Florence could potentially uh, sneak in there. Uh, I, I think Florence will give Southern Illinois a run for their money, but I do think uh, the Miners will end up winning the West Division. So, if you guys want to play that game where you pick the same team, um, <laughs> I will do something a little different. Okay, I'll go with the Yalls okay. just because I want to be different. I, I do think the the, the Miners. Mm, my God, this is this is this. No, I'll go with y'all. I think yeah. y'all will uh, do something special this year. They have this new uh, uniform, and of course, the uniforms uh, make um, makes you uh, win games, uh, yeah. right, Will? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Sounds, sounds, like, <laughs> sounds, sounds accurate to me. Yeah, it's it's like Deion Sanders said: <laughs> "Look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, pay good." <laughs> hey, by the way, you had this uh, you had this debate. Uh, I, I don't know how long ago, yeah. where you, you were mentioning that new logo did not really mean oh, yes. rebranding. Yeah. Uh, and would you agree that in, in the case of the Yalls, this is a complete rebrand? Oh, yes. oh, new yeah. name, new colors. And I mean, they have the complete package. I love what they're doing. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I see. For me, when the line between redesign and rebrand gets crossed, is when you change the name of the team. If you change the team name, now it's a rebrand. If you just refresh the logo, then it's either a redesign or a refresh. In my mind, okay. like like Evansville is not a rebrand because there's still the Otters. No. It's just a refresh. Now, of course, it also looks like the bully from a Nick Junior show, but that's besides the point. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I, I think I'll go with, with uh, y'all uh, just because, uh, just because. I mean, I, I really, really do like them. Their pitching staff could be something special this year, and if that's what it's needed to sometime pick up those wins against the Miners and the Grizzlies and Evansville, uh, why not? I mean, at the end of the year, uh, they, they they just they, they add up. Yeah, they. they- they definitely, I could see it happening. I just, I believe in the Southern Illinois depth just a, a touch more though, but I, I wouldn't rule Florence out here. And so on that note, all we have left to do is, is pick a playoff series, our league champion. And then if you guys want to do like uh, a player of the year or a pitcher of the year, we could do that too here. Uh, I know we're running a little long, so we may want to cut that. I'm not sure, but uh, I guess we'll go around. We'll start with Dave. And who do you have in your championship series and then ultimately being the 2021 uh, Frontier League champion? Hmm. So that would make... Okay, so if we go with my picks, that would yeah. make... Uh, the Yalls against the Thunderbolts. I'll go with the Yalls and uh, against Sussex uh, County. I mean, let's face it, we're repeating ourselves. The yeah. Sussex County Miners are a beast. And in a series, there is no reason why they should not win. So I'm going with the Miners. All right. Win it all. I have a feeling we're all going to be on the same page here. Will. Uh, yeah. D- yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, the Sussex County Miners out of uh, uh, from one side, and we're going to get the matchup we all have been waiting for: the minor, the minor bowl between the Sussex <laughs> County Miners and the Southern Illinois Miners in the final. And I think, uh, and I think Sussex County will come on, come out on top. I think they're just too talented. Uh, we've talked about it so much, but I think, I think Sussex County 
will end up coming out on top as the uh See, I don't want to. It's probably obviously not wouldn't be the inaugural champs of the Frontier League because the Frontier League has been around forever. But they will uh, kick off the new era of the Frontier League with uh, with a championship. That's what I'm thinking. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree with miners versus miners in there. And the funny thing is, you could very well just say the statement about the series. The miners are a very deep team. Don't really have that many weak spots. Their rotation is very strong, and their offensive production could come from just about anywhere in the lineup. And you could be talking about either team. That said, I, I agree in step with Will. I think it is going to wind up being Myers versus Myers. I agree with with everyone here in that it's going to be Sussex County. Uh, winning this whole thing on paper, of course, that's worth about, you know, as much as it is, but they are just too strong. They're just not beatable. And quite frankly, in my mind, from the start of this preview, it didn't really matter uh, who came out of the Northeast because I was going to have them running the table and winning the winning the league. Because I think that division is just that strong. I think the Sussex mm-hmm. County Myers are just that good of a team. I don't think you could really point to any spot here where you could go, well, they're not strong here, or they're, you know, a couple of injuries or a couple of contracts being purchased away from not being uh, very good here. They're just so deep everywhere, and they just have the ability to go next man up in literally every spot on this team where I feel totally comfortable picking them right now to win the Frontier League in 2021. Nice. So with that, uh, I will just quickly give kind of my player and pitcher of the year kind of predictions here. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much depth. We talked about a lot of these guys. He may get hurt. Both of these guys very well may have the contracts purchased before this recording is even done. But uh, I will take Dennis Phipps and Gunnar Kynes as my player and pitcher of the year. I think they're both just electric players. I think they've proven themselves season in, season out. I think they're both going to tear up this league in an amazing way. And I have them both... uh, both winning those honors. I could really see that being the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with Dennis Phipps. He's been such a great power hitter in the Atlantic League uh, for, for a couple of years now. So I think there, I think he's going to be the player of the year. I think he's going to put up some crazy offensive numbers as long as he's here. Uh, and as for pitcher of the year, I'm going to go with Tyler Danish of, of the Sussex County Miners. I think he showed so much in the American Association a year ago. I think that'll translate well to the Frontier League. I think he's gonna. I think he's going to have a great season. I think he's going to be pitcher of the year. Yep. Nice. I'm going to be a little different when it comes to the uh, the best hitter in uh, this year's season. Overall, I think Juan Kelly has got some. Uh, I've got some potential that he can reach even higher. That's not even a phrase. So, but I'll pick Juan Kelly for this year as my hitter, and the um, and Gunnar Kynes for um, for my pitcher. He's just dominant. I mean, just imagine James Cunningham, James Cunningham, and then Gunner Kind as your one-two punch. Uh, you, you can go up against any team right now, even in affiliated ball. Yeah, that is incredible to think that that's a a one-two combo there. So, I think mm-hmm. we've just about touched on everything and anything in the past two hours of of Frontier League talk. Uh, so now we'll do what we do every time we have somebody on. Uh, Dave, you have anything else you want to add? Anything that you know just came to your mind that maybe you want to tr- backtrack to, or especially anything you want to promote? Certainly do that now. Uh, your work on Frontier League Journal is really top notch. Really great interviews. Uh, mm-hmm. So definitely tell everyone where they can find all that information if they haven't already come across it. 
Well, I, I really do appreciate that, guys. And I mean, uh, I'm throwing that back to you. I mean, the, the work you do on a weekly basis, even when uh, there was no season, I mean, it, it's insane. You're passionate. And I, I like to be associated with people like you because I'm passionate too. I mean, I get obsessive, like I mentioned before the interview. Yeah. I get obsessive about everything. Three months ago, I had no idea which team were where and what the name of the teams were. So as you, as you've seen over the past few weeks and the past two months already, um, you can find me at a Frontier League Journal. I have a blog, I'll say a blog on mm -hmm. Medium. I have the, the YouTube channel and I'm very, very active on Twitter, but especially on Instagram with the stories. So just little stories, little, little facts, little, uh, just little news over there. So if people really want to have the full package, it's the blog and then it's on Instagram. Um, and, and, and just thank you so much for your work. And if you want me back in any capacity, any time to talk frontierly, I'm available. Do not ask. I will be available. And that's it. <laughs> We definitely appreciate that, and uh, we certainly will have you back, whether it be during the season or going to uh, the playoffs or whatever it may be. You, you certainly will be uh, back on this show in some capacity, hopefully not in the too distant future. We definitely appreciate you carving out a, a huge chunk of time today with us. I mean, two hours just on recording, and then probably about a half hour before that, too, when we were just all kind of BSing around. So I, I definitely appreciate <laughs> you taking the time here. It was definitely enjoyable, definitely very fun uh, to do this preview with you. I loved it. I loved every minute of it, and uh, Will, thank you so much. Once again, I want to thank Dave for coming on the show. He's definitely going to be more than welcome back uh, when we start getting into the Frontier League season, whether that be at the midway point, whether that be at the uh, conclusion of the season when we're talking playoffs or wherever, whatever it may be. He's definitely going to be uh, back on this show. Definitely a knowledgeable guy, really nice guy too. And uh, yeah, I, I, he definitely helps us out there on a lot of those teams. Yeah, so it, so it was so much fun though. I mean, it was so much fun. He, he knows so much about about the frontier leagues uh we couldn't couldn't have picked someone better uh to bring on to the show and hopefully soon enough we're gonna have some frontier league baseball up in canada so he so he can get to go to some games in person yep, hopefully hopefully uh the quebec teams will get to play at home this year uh maybe That'd not looking great. great for that but hopefully they will be so definitely that and yeah. so i guess on that note uh you've probably been now listening to a show that's uh about two and a quarter hours long so uh, I guess we could kind of just wrap up the show here. Uh, typical plugs and then anything to add. So if you want to follow the show on social media, you should definitely hit up the Instagram account first, Indie Ball Report, to catch up on all the previews we've done so far. That is every single American Association team. And at this point, we should only have, I think, one, two, three, maybe like five to five or so teams left to do in the frontier league maybe a few less and then the 
uh, Atlantic League as well. So definitely go to Indie Ball Report on Instagram to do so for the Atlantic League coverage. I'm sure that those previews will be starting uh, this week. Oh, yeah. They haven't already begun. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night, so they may already have begun by now. But uh, there, there, will, there will be some. There will be uh, some up uh, by the time you people are listening to this. Yep. So definitely go to ALPB underscore News to check out those and much more. Uh, then on Twitter, you can find the show at uh, Indie Ball Pod. So be sure to hit that up. You get a lot of news. And you also get me commenting on uh, live baseball, too, which is always kind of fun. Uh, you can find the show wherever you find podcasts. So tune in Stitcher, Podomatic, uh, you know, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music. Like I said, just about anywhere you can find shows. They're available here uh, for your consumption. That said, you can also find the uh, links to everything we discussed today in the show notes, as well as links to, to Dave's work in our show notes on our website, IndieBarber com show note tab for show notes uh, episode tab for episodes and article tab for articles and whatnot and you can kind of figure out everything else from there with that said do we have anything else left to add yes i had something left to add before we wrap up All right. so the baseball world was galvanized this past week there uh, after the white Sox twins game where the white Sox were kicking the shit out of the twins and uh in the ninth inning uh, when the score was, I believe, uh, fifteen to six or something like that, but it, it, was, it was it was there was a lopsided score. I think it was fifteen to four, actually. And your mean Mercedes, Indie Ball alum, uh, comes up uh, a three zero pitch against a position player on the Twins and uh, swings three zero, breaking the oh the such a terrible unwritten rule and hits a home run. So. I'm, this is not going to be about why unwritten rules are dumb because they are. Uh, it's not going to be. It's not going to be so much about that because people have been talking that to death this week. I need to. I need to air my grievances with one man in particular, and that is Chicago White Sox manager Tony La Russa. He has won World Series. He has had a ton of success. He has no business being a manager in this game, none whatsoever. And let me. And let me tell you why. After the game, you can you can if you were an unwritten rule guy, fine, and you can sit up there. It's like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Um, I'm sorry to the twins. Uh, the, it won't happen again. No, he absolutely rips his player. You mean Mercedes? And not to mention when people disagree with him, he just keeps firing back and firing back. For example, when his ace, Lance Lynn, goes up to the media and says, yeah, I, I didn't really have a problem with it. Once, a position, once you throw in the towel and put in a position player, all the rules go out the window. He, because Tony La Russa is so high and mighty, he has to respond with, oh, well, Lance has a logger and I have an office. Ooh, big shot. You're such a big shot. And I just can't believe how he thinks he is going to. And it really should not be the story because the White Sox are a damn good baseball team. And they're winning the American League Central. And they're one of the best teams in the American League. And it's a shame that we have to talk about this. And the worst part about it is the next day, reliever for the Twins, Tyler Duffy, throws behind your mean Mercedes. And Mercedes... Mercedes doesn't do anything. Duffy gets thrown out of the game along with the manager of the Twins. And Tony Larusa says after the game that he has no problem with a pitcher, uh, with with a pitcher throwing behind his best hitter. 
He said he had no problem with it because of these rules. What are you, what are you protecting against? Somebody explain, what are you, what does he think he is shielding? What does he think he is protecting? I don't understand it, that it, it matters so much that you're essentially cheering as a pitcher throws a 95 mile an hour fastball behind, behind your best player, who, by the way, leads the American League in batting average right now. So somebody needs to explain that to me, and I just don't understand it. It is so frustrating that this that um, that this manager, who was brought in by the owner because they're boys, because that's essentially what we do now. Instead of hiring the right man for the job, he boys with the owner. He gets brought in. He doesn't know a damn thing about baseball. And he treats this he treats this breaking an unwritten rule more it's with more seriousness than his second DUI he got back in back in February. And the fact that he didn't know the damn extra inning rule and had his closer, Liam Hendricks, out at second base running in the top of the 10th inning because his dumbass didn't know the rule. And it is so frustrating that he thinks he's so mighty that he has no problem bashing his best player and doesn't even care when a pitcher throws behind him. It, it, it's insanity. Nick, you're a Mets fan. What happened to Kevin Pillar the other night? Oh, yeah. No, he ate one to the face. 95 mile an hour fastball to the face. That is what happens when Pete, um, and of course, Jacob Webb, that was not intentional. Yeah. But that is what happens when that could happen when people are throwing at, or when, when, play, when pitchers are throwing at somebody. That could happen. And you don't have a problem with it because, oh, yeah, he, sorry, he broke the unwritten rule. Give me a break. You're an old loon who doesn't know a thing about how baseball is played today. And I hope I hope the people in that White Sox locker room, who's, a, again, a damn good baseball team, they don't look him in the eye and they don't respect him at all because that is a joke that you sit up there and, and defend the other team, the other team, for throwing behind your player. And I, I'll never understand it, and I hope the White Sox don't respect him at all for that. That is complete and utter bullshit. Thank you. So I found this new band, <laughs> uh, but I, I suppose I should should toss something in there. I will. I want to just say this much: Tony Larissa has kind of gone past his expiration date. I th I don't really love a dude swinging on a position player 3-0 in the ninth with a huge ass lead. That's excessive, kind of a dick move. Worse than your manager to not back your own players and then really railroad them. Uh, you know, that's, that's not good. You can't, you gotta have your own players back there. And if you get asked about like, oh, what do you think about swinging there? Go, uh, it's a, I have a different view on it than he does. We're gonna discuss that privately. That's all you answer to that question. And you leave it at that. And you sure as shit don't respond to Lance Lynn in that manner. Now, it's just shitty. That's the real reason why. It's just a shitty response. And again, it's not having your players back. Just always take your players back. It's just not that hard. Unless they're totally in the wrong, in which case there's no way for them to be right. Then, you know, you say, like, I'm disappointed in what they did. Uh, it's a situation we have to handle, but uh, it's not the way I would have liked to see it happen. And, and, you know, I, I know him as a person. It's not the way he should be handled. There's a more diplomatic way than the way Larissa handled it. Not great. Also, again, by not saying, yeah, I have a problem with someone throwing up my guy, I understand what he did wasn't great and broken unwritten rule, but, I mean, you got to understand we're playing with fire here. You could have seriously injured a guy. I'm not about that. Uh, it's not the way you do that. If you're going to throw at him, you sure as shit don't throw a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. That could really injure the guy. That's, un that's uncalled for. 
uh that that's the way you handle that i just uh it again like i I don't like swinging at a 3-0 pitch with a huge s lead on a position player in the ninth i think again it's a dick move to do that uh, at the same point you gotta have your players back it's as simple as that but uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I do have one thing to add. I, I, I'm serious, though. I, I did find a new band that's pretty cool called The Astronomers. They're kind of like AJR, if you remember when I went on that tangent. They're kind of like that. They have a newer EP. came out in about a month or so ago. A um, couple of good songs on that one. Uh, they're, they're kind of college guys, and they're sophomores in college out, out in Wisconsin. So uh, definitely check out The Astronomers. Their, their new piece called that's life uh, i'll drop a link to uh, to the youtube playlist uh, in in the show notes so yeah uh, with that said uh, i don't think we have anything else left to add this week uh if until next time uh, don't forget to play ball <laughs>